Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Smashbox TV's podcast 481. I've got a great idea. I don't know if, you, I don't know if you've ever heard of it, Terry. Uh, this... this if it's an original idea of yours, I don't know how I, I would mean, sign up. I don't know if anyone's ever done this before. Mm. I'm thinking, get a box. Put, oh. put random stuff in it. Mm-hmm. Sell it to somebody. No way. Yeah. How much could I pay you for that? I mean, how much are you willing to pay me for? Well, I mean, would you, you'd put nothing but goodies in it? Sure, yeah, that's it. Like all your best goodies that you have yeah, th- that, that are, are just lying around and, and you know they're appreciating in value. So you figure. Yeah. I mean, I need to get these to, to the people. It's <laughs> yeah. Yeah. your best way to do it. I, huh. I miss Tyler Brickley right now because I literally thought of this like two nights ago when I was laying in bed. I was thinking of you, thinking of you Tyler. Yes. Um, I want to do a video of like you and I doing a mystery box, but it's you kind of trying to sell it. And it's me in the background, just putting the most random bullshit in like a pile of leaves, like cool, trying to like shove our kids into this box or just anything. Just put anything into this dumb box, me in my garage. Like there's like wood chunks of wood, like, like order our mystery boxes. Be sure to get the newest, you know, just the worst uh-huh. things. Cause to me, that's something Tyler would do. He he would do it really well. We'd do it half ass. Yeah, he would do it really well. Ah, uh, we miss that guy. I well, uh, in a tangent to that, before we get to our featured guest tonight, in a tangent to that, I had expressed a little frustration. I'm, and I know this is old man get off my lawn kind of stuff, but I am already way sick of the pre, post, pre, pre, and post Black Friday, sales. Black Friday sales. Like, okay, eh, I, I love that. It's we're all no advertising like, it. Eh. We're no longer losing our minds and like uh, uh, yeah. trampling yeah. on people in a store and everything's online. I get all that. But Give me now, some time. It's Black Friday month. It's the whole <laughs> damn month. We're just going to have a sale. We started it already. And I'm picking on all of you manufacturers. I'm not picking What's... on just one. This is almost all the retailers, all, many of which I love. Are you sure? But I mean, I'm annoyed. We're about to have one on as our guest. All right. He's, he's maybe at the helm. He's maybe helped orchestrate some of this. None other than Miles Parkhill from Paragon Disc Golf joining us. Miles, you guys so got guys, any good deals? You got any, got any mystery boxes for me? Actually, what is the most money that you would pay for a mystery box? Because I see this like in other like $40. Secrets. No, like 
I want somebody to call me and say, I want like a $2,000 mystery box. Damn. Oh. And I mean, I no, I told you my answer. That. My answer is $40. <laughs> yeah. It's the most okay, I pay for a mystery cheap. box. Okay. Ask, ask the smashies. Uh, what's the most they pay? And let's put together a wild mystery box. And whoever this person is needs to like video it, opening it. Yeah. Uh, well, would you put some pretty cool stuff in a box? Well, and that's just the next question. And I think I think here's why mystery boxes obviously have been very big in disc golf. I've offered up a few throughout the last decade. I get it. They've become very popular in a lot of ways. The biggest problem with them is people forget there's a an inherent lottery component to it to some degree, right? Like not every mystery. I I worry that so many people feel like I buy a $50 mystery box. And if it's not worth 200, then you're disappointed and you got ripped off. The only way it might be worth 50 or 55 or 60, but if it's not worth 200, that's where I get pissed off. And then I start rage tweeting. (laughs) Well, well, that's what they do. To me, like me personally, I would only only buy a mystery box if there is in disc golf terms a chance for a new disc like oh. let's just say disc mania is like this is where you drop a new disc this is where you drop yeah, like a cool okay, okay. kyle klein super gold gold on gold foil with like actual kyle klein dna in it or something mm-hmm. i don't know gets but, weird but yeah. yeah whatever i'm not i'm not you know i'm not judging you you put like a handful of those in boxes and you send them out and it's it's a it's a lottery. Cool. I get one of these people are getting. But you have to know. To me, I have to know. There's a chance I get that. It can't just be. Hey, here's a forty dollar mystery box. Maybe you get a cool disc. And I don't know what that cool disc is. To me, mystery box should be something where I have a. It's almost like a scratch off to me. That's what a mystery box should be. Like I know I have a chance to win five hundred with a scratch off. Am I gonna? Let's be honest. No one. You still knows. usually get something. You know that you can yeah. throw or just put in Correct. a pile or donate yeah. to your club or whatever you want to do. Yeah. You know, and that's good, and I and I love that. I, I've got plenty. For me, though, I have plenty of discs. I don't need. I'm you know I'm very blessed in the number of discs I have. From a lot of them are totally worthless, and I would love to mystery box them to somebody who wants a bunch of <laughs> who wants Johnny Vizel who wants stuff. 2002 beat up Eagles. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying. Yeah, DX Eagles. I've got somebody. <laughs> so Miles. Uh, it's been a minute since you've been on the show. We take you for granted because you do so much work behind the scenes and you're one of the guys that keeps things moving and a lot of the disc golf community doesn't necessarily always know, recognize and or know what's going on That's out there. A, I'm so okay with that. Okay uh, well, with the, now we're here to blow you up, man. Uh, <laughs> so tell tell the world, give us your give the world your 60-second elevator pitch as to what you and and your companies do. Uh, either we really in- started Paragon because our club got the most terrible shirts one year. And I thought if our club – if this happened to our club, it's probably happening to other clubs. So I really started focusing on selling to clubs and helping them out, raise money for courses, signs, events. And then obviously as, you know – I started working with like Steve Dodge and that's how actually I met you, Terry was at Maple Hill and then just made all these connections and worked with everybody and um, started working with the pro tour and, you know, just help everybody grow. You know, we all have grown together and it's been really cool, but yeah, pretty much anything anybody needs with a logo on it. I can do it. If I can't, I usually tell you where you can get it done. So, and again, your specialty, because even before Paragon was a full-blown, you know, disc golf solution, uh, Miles T-shirts 
is what you were hosting and yeah. and, and started that provided. in high school in okay. 99. You were in so. high school in 99? Jeez. Let's talk about yeah. that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so T-shirts and then uh, just for a moment, like – for you, what has been now? Well, let me let me set this up for everyone. Like you said, uh, imprinting, uh, promotional products. Uh, some some are like your your standard ones that you'd expect to see every day, and then you have all sorts of unique things that you've helped with. A lot of the stands sure. that get built underneath baskets, things of that nature. Uh, you guys have really expanded, helping build the Zuka Trust that we see on the Pro Tour. Things of that nature. My question for you though is, what has been the most exciting advancement in your industry for you in the last couple of decades? Like what, what's been just this insane game changer for you in terms of doing your job and providing your service better? I think, I think for us, obviously automatic presses, you know, when I started out printing manual, just, you know, one shirt at a time, you know, maybe a hundred an hour if I'm lucky. Um, And now we have two automatic presses are actually installing a third one in December and uh, it definitely helps us get shirts done quicker for people like Terry, who literally don't, approved don't. a design this morning. We printed the order and shipped it to him today. He will have it tomorrow. Finally. Nobody else do that, please. <laughs> uh, but that's pretty much Terry's MO. That's Terry's MO, yeah. I mean, you could ask any disc manufacturer almost or any vendor he's ever worked with, and they'll say, who cuts it the closest? Terry Miller cuts it the closest. There's definitely a lot of people that do. So it's it's nice to be able to knock stuff out quickly for people when it's needed. I love the people that plan ahead too. I uh, to be fair, Miles and I talked a month ago or longer, but you just yeah, didn't get him the answer. It's not an order. I mean, well, yeah. I, I, <laughs> you text me like we Friday, also, you're like, did you order the shirts? I'm like, do we even have a design? I, I gave you the order <laughs> last week, Monday. We, we don't have to get into all of this here, Miles. Come on. Um, but, uh, you, you know, I I'll, here's what I like to do for you. Because I'm so close, I like to make sure that you're getting your other orders that have longer shipping times. Yeah. So because I'm close to you, it, I, I'm just helping you with your inventory. It's probably management. like the busiest week of shipping ever for UPS, <laughs> is my guess. Like, well, next week probably is really, but uh, I know. Yeah, I know. Uh, at at one point, the USPS used to say like uh, tomorrow, Wednesday was like the number one day for Christmas cards or holiday cards or something oh, like yeah. that. I feel like that was really before Thanksgiving. Yeah. I feel like that's the number one used to be like it's one of the number one busiest ship. I know it's way. one of the number one travel days in the world. Yeah. It's too, number two. Cause for me, I think like families, our family would always get together on Thanksgiving, take a nice picture I, I and then you make your card out of that and it gets sent out in mid December, early to mid December. Um, I mean, it's possible. I'm not denying that as far uh, as, I mean, those are Christmas cards. Shipping could be completely different. Uh, well, now it, it is saying that December 14th mm-hmm. is the busiest mailing yeah. day. Hmm. Maybe I was thinking of the travel day tomorrow. Probably. Either way, lots of people on the move. And if that means UPS or FedEx trucks out on the road as well, we've everybody will be moving tomorrow. So, uh, yeah, the the idea of the, the press is, of course, uh, being automated. I think back to early bag tags, like very early oh, yeah. bag tags. Like, I could go get like, some. <laughs> like the year 2000 yeah, bag I'd tags, right? And <laughs> it was so difficult to find because you could come up with a design, but individualizing them, having them sequentially numbered was always the number one problem. You could call up every disc manufacturer, all like three at the time, and they would make you minis, but 
to have an individual number on each one was like a whole nother, not really doable process. Things yeah. like that, I have to say, um, you know, have just come light years, have they not? No, absolutely. And and artwork, I mean, more and more people have, you know, vector files, mainly because mm. they're, they're using for disk stamps. So then they send it to us and we can put it on a bag tag for them and then translate it to a shirt or banners or anything. But yeah, the the accessibility to better quality artwork, I think, is has been a huge advancement. Um, not everyone is stealing the DGA basket off of Google anymore. <laughs> I mean, that pretty Almost much everyone. was like yep. the go-to for the longest time for a club logo was, you know, hey, disc golf basket. Hey, DGA, here we go. Mm-hmm. And I have to kindly tell people, sorry, you can't use that logo. Um, <laughs> but well, yeah. Yeah, that kind of leads to a, a, a an interesting question within our entire disc golf field and in uh, commerce, which is disc manufacturers. Uh, when it comes to hot stamping yourself, when it comes to making club related merchandise or doing anything that you know you're imprinting, where do those conversations? Uh, how do those usually go? When and and where's the liability in terms of you recognizing or seeing something that maybe has a trademark or a copyright? Like, how do you handle those situations? Yeah, I mean, I, I think DGA, I've probably done it the most because that's the one that probably gets stolen the most. But yeah, typically I'll just tell them nicely, hey, let me create something different for you. And we have probably over 500 different basket designs now that we've created. And most people are cool about it. Some people get really aggressive. At one point, I had a really good voicemail from a guy that said he actually made that DGA logo, like before DGA even started or something. Oh, perfect. Um, <laughs> before yeah, DGA so, uh, started the sport. <laughs> yeah, right. No, it was, it was pretty good. The guy was very passionate about his logo, um, but it really wasn't his. But yeah, sometimes I'll you know just send a little email to, to DGA and, and they'll ask people really nicely. I, most people, I think, understand. They just don't know. You know, they're like, well, if I just change it a little bit, is it going to be okay? It's like, no, it's still the same logo. You know? <laughs> yeah, and I'm actually surprised there's not more lawsuits and people suing people and more cease and desist than there are in, in the sport with as many ripoff bootleg things there are. Well, I'll follow that up with uh, how does disc golf specifically maybe compare with some of the other uh, you know, organizations or sports that you often print for? Like, are, are we right on par, so to speak, with... Yeah, you know, I mean, I actually did get a cease and desist um, from an uh, independent truck company, which is like a skateboard company. Yep. Um, there's a club in Independence, Missouri, and they had the Iron Cross, and it just said Independence Disc Golf, and it had the Iron Cross, and they were, were all over me, you know, within 45 mm-hmm. minutes of me posting it on Instagram. So that was interesting, but you know, it's really one of those things, Hey, you need to take it down. How many did you make? How many did you sell? How much money did you make? You know, we're talking 20 bag tags that we sold for $2 a piece or something. So there's not a whole lot of money involved, but you know, you live and you learn. And there's gotta be times that you don't even, maybe you even realize things are, I mean, there's a billion logos out there. You don't know. Everyone oh yeah, for sure. And yeah, just, hmm. well, I mean, um, even, you know, there's, there's plenty of these pros logos that people compare you know, I see a lot of people that compare like Big Beth's logo to other things, but they're all in different sports and nobody knew that they were. Oh, excuse me. You know, and, and their stuff, it just looks close, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I, in the last couple of years, there's been an, an added layer of, I'm going to call it legitimacy because that's exactly what it is. We've seen 
the likes of Discraft and uh, Disney. We've seen Dynamic and Marvel. We've seen more recently... Discmania and The Grateful Dead. Yep. And then also Prodigy just recently with the NHL. From your perspective, and, and clearly this isn't you know even meant at any of them in general, but from your perspective, does that add legitimacy to you know opportunities within disc golf? Does that say something? Uh, is it something that doesn't excite you or maybe that does excite you because that's more I, stuff? I know plenty of people that are not disc golfers and uh, let's just use Discraft Star Wars stuff. I mean, I had people reaching out to me because they know I'm a disc golf person and like, oh, my God. And, but they're huge Star Wars fans. So, I mean, I think it's a great thing for the sport. I think the NHL thing's super cool, and hopefully other sports are soon to follow. Yeah, many years ago, I don't know if you ever talked with them. There, uh, I want to say his name was Kevin, and I know somebody up in Massachusetts or, or that general area can remind me of New England. He Did he get the, the usage of, like, the three stooges? Does this ring a bell, right? Uh, do you know who I'm talking about? He no. had le- he he purchased legally the 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 rights to some three stooges like the three stooges and then a couple other okay. things that he then I don't think he did much with it but what 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 does that typically mean uh, educate the world as to if there was a brand or an organization that I really like and wanted to partner with or wanted to be able to use their likeness what are those conversations kind of like from what you've either heard or experienced I mean I think the biggest thing is obviously you have to be uh, to even get a hold of some of these people is very difficult. So even getting a hold of the right person, but then you have to have something to give back to them. You know, they don't want to work with somebody that's, you know, working out of their garage or has no reach. So I think that's a, a thing with, with disc golf as it grows, um, more people are seeing it as legitimate and more companies are willing to take that, that, uh, that leap of faith and see if it works out. I mean, it's not technically going to hurt them. They're going to make some money. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh it's no conversations that I've really been involved with, so I don't I don't know a whole lot about that. Just kind of hearing from the outside of what other people deal with. I'm not. I usually don't like toss around like too many great ideas. But if I were you, I would think no, like trying to print for like Taylor Swift would be a good idea. Should have you thought about that? <sighs> yeah, she had some serious drama this year with her printing. Really? If you didn't know, yeah, uh, honestly, really I bad. I don't think I do. Yeah, she, they're printing, well, Disney took over her printing and it was printed, I think in, uh, I don't know, India or Pakistan or something. They used a water-based, uh, ink that wasn't cured. So these people that are paying 70 to a hundred dollars for a sweatshirt, they would wash it and it would literally wash out. So all these kids using technology get on TikTok and say, call your local print shop and see if they can cure the ink by either putting it through their dryer or using a heat press because they they just want to save their $100 hoodie. Um, but I'm pretty sure she sold – I don't even remember the, the number. I, I'll probably get it wrong. But I know it was like 125 pallets worth of shirts in two days um, You know, at $70 to $100 a piece. You can do the math. It's, it's a lot of money. It's in the millions um, of merchandise that was poorly done oh. and – there was a recall. I, I don't know all the other details, but we definitely saw a lot of that going on in our industry, like people talking about it. Wow. Getting all the Swifties calling in. <laughs> yeah, you don't, want, you don't <laughs> want them mad at you. That's no, for sure. You, you get on their good side. Uh, yeah. So 
Yeah. Uh, let, let's talk about some of the assets and things that we've seen. And, and let's be honest, the term assets was not really in, in in disc golf terminology wasn't really even entered into the conversation until basically the pro tour until basically 2016 and maybe we referred to a few things on the course but we wouldn't collectively call them assets like we do today so describe right. what that means and then and how what some of those are basically yeah i mean obviously we have our pull koozies which i think maybe you have the Yep, the the, the, pe- the right pending trademark yep. name thing <laughs> yeah. on. Yep, you know, Bokuzis, yep. That was something that we created for the PDGA and then uh, ended up doing for the Pro Tour. Um, the elevated baskets, uh, obviously the normal stuff, feather flags, banners, mm-hmm. the A-frames, the OB walls. Um, yeah, basically anything where you can put an ad on the course that hopefully doesn't ever interfere play, which we know that happens sometimes. <laughs> Um, and that you can hopefully make some money to help, uh, add to the payouts or cover your costs of setting them up. <laughs> I think it's fair. Some have asked, and obviously it's, it's become such a staple of the tour that we see these and people like Sean Jack, who we've had on the show, it's his job to go out and then find potential, uh, you know, people to sell these types of things to a fair question though, is uh, when do we, when are there too many? What what does too many look yeah. like, and who needs to care about that? You know, did the players, does the organization, who needs to care about there being quote unquote unquote too many assets out on the course? What's your take on that? I think it's getting pretty close. I think it's okay. pretty close to being too much, honestly. But how how many companies do we have that are willing to pay that premium? So that's what our sport has always done is just getting a lot of uh, ads at a lower cost to make that bigger number. Um, but I think as you get some of those LL beans and bigger companies to pay a, a higher price tag, hopefully there will be better quality assets and maybe fewer of them, you know? Yeah. Cause at some point, if it becomes too many, you just lose. There's no point in having a, your, your logo. Yeah. There if it's one of a million mm-hmm. versus. Well, one I'm of just 10. wondering when the technology would be good enough. You know, Johnny, you can tell me how easy or hard this would be. What if we just had like green screens all over the place and then the ads could just, change for the live but then for the people in person it would look silly but i wonder if you could Mm -hmm. do something like that i mean baseball obviously as we know baseball does it behind the behind the batters it's Mm -hmm. all one big green screen on the on the field you know even just with like the first down and stuff so yeah exactly and that stuff has to have most of the time you have to have a static camera which our guys are not you know they could be standing on one side of the player one minute the other side of the player the other minute in order to kind of make that work as nicely as it could. It could be done really shoddily, but I don't see that as a a good solution for somebody. It's probably just easier to have it hard printed on, you know, I'm just talking about those little, you know, triangle stands that stand in front of the tee boxes right yeah. now. But yeah, I mean, you could do it if you, if you told your cameraman, oh, we know on hole three, you have to stand here. You have to put your camera here. You have to point it here. And that's how we're going to get our, uh, our, our ad. But for as quickly as we're in and out, it just doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to me for us, at least not yet. Again, yeah, maybe once, I think once this getting is, stationary cameras, that's a different story. Yeah. I, I think the cool thing though, that this has done is that for other events, they really strive to have that look and feel of a pro tour event. So they're trying to buy those assets and sell those assets to make people just have that feeling that their event is special. It's just like when you're a kid and you're playing baseball and they have, you're under the lights and, um, you just feel really special and you feel like a, a pro athlete, you know, mm-hmm. when you're 
pen. <laughs> and so, yeah, that, that's really what everybody's going for, you know. Uh, which, in all honesty, is damn good for your business, right? Like the fact that you print yeah. these promotional materials and that you're printing uh, these assets that go on the course, and then more and more people want to continue to add these assets. Obviously, that's good for someone like you. Has there been, well, I mean, I guess you just said the pull koozies. Uh, is there been any others that you're particularly fond or proud of that you're like, Hey, you know, I'm really glad that we, we helped make these come into existence. Like was the, was the Zuka trust, is that a standard trust or is that something that's no, kind of I mean, obviously if the very first year, Steve bought a trust that was meant for an indoor like expo kind of event sure. and literally broke within five minutes of him setting it up. Um, but we made it work. Um, mm-hmm. And then the next year we, we rigged something else up. And then the next year is when we finally got the trust that we have now. So uh, it was some stuff that I bought from a company that used to make floats for uh, Disney. Mm-hmm. So it was like um, all the metal and all the connector pieces. It's like big, like erector set basically. <laughs> so I made a lot of things out of it. Like when we had the, um, when we had the festival games, which I wish the festival games just would have came a few years later. It would have done so much better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All, I, I agree. That was when we bring it back. Yeah. Cool. Like, uh, and I think one of the coolest ones is the, I don't even know what we called it like the the tower that had like the five baskets yeah. stacked up. And uh, I have a video of Simon pre MVP and there were, they were black hole baskets and he was speed putting on them and, and made like all five baskets in like 2.5 seconds or something. Mm-hmm. It was, it was cool. <laughs> and he, and he was throwing MVP putters at that time too. So a little foreshadowing, huh? Yeah. Huh? Huh? What yeah. MVP will pay for that footage. Yeah. Sell it big money. Quite a big time money. lapse. No Quite good. a time lapse. No We've been on <laughs> or something. Yeah, uh, okay. All right. So I, I just, your, your response just conjured up an idea. What if, and clearly this, this would be some kind of partnership. Is it even remotely conceivably possible that someone in a very tight uh, operation operates the festival games and then quote unquote follows the tour along. Like maybe it's not the tour uh, that's doing them because we know how stretched and and worked and everything else. Everyone is one or two people. What would that look like to, to operate, uh, you know, like a traveling. I I think there's enough people now attending the events that it could make money, but with everything else that people are spending money on, I think it would still be difficult, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, you're going to need two, three, 4,000 people to really make it successful. You know, I mean, we did it and we really gave a lot of prizes away and we did it. We tried every single way of doing it, offering free games, paid games, anything and everything. And it, it's just different in every um, city, you know, yeah. how people react to it. But I, I think if you just had one game, you know, I mean, the, the distech toe was, was super fun. Um, you know, the pendulum game was a lot of fun. I mean, and, and Nate Heinold still has that and he uses mm-hmm. that at his event. And I think people love it, but yeah, the pyramid, I mean, a lot of those things that we did, you know, people have duplicated other places and, and they have a lot of fun with it. So yeah, true. Disc Plinko. We fun. Something yeah. like I, that. I, I want to come up with like, they have the all-star event. Mm-hmm. I would love to, I'm just going to throw this out there because I don't know, may, maybe Jeff's watching, but I, I'd love to make some cooler obstacles for the all-star event you know, yes. for the spectators mm. and for the players, you know, 
whatever it's inflatables or something bill or yeah. something. Yeah, because I mean, right now it's just it's just the net between two trees, and you go over it, you go around it, you go under it, you go, you know, maybe if you're lucky, right. there's a hole. I think you have to go through it at some point. Um, yeah, we could do better. We can do better. Yeah. Yeah, we got. I don't creative. know if you don't have the inflatable guy, the disinflatable stick that's blowing around. If you don't no, have, I don't that. think inflatable flopping around, but I think you know <laughs> some sort of inflatable, you know, that kind of makes you uh, throw around or under or through or whatever. Yeah, you really don't need you know, the inflatable. I, I would love like some pyrotechnics. Like you, you hit the yeah. basket and it blows up. Like yeah, we just I, throw Gannon Burrow there. there but... <laughs> you know, just have him wave his arms around. <laughs> you know. Maybe, maybe just like confetti cannons. Maybe that would be a little safer. Maybe okay. fire wouldn't be the right thing. Confetti yeah. cannons. Yeah, I, I, or maybe it's just a way of incorporate. You talk about you know the the success of these games. Maybe incorporating a few of the sponsors. I think of you know when the likes of Bevel or some other beer is on site. You know, maybe somehow incorporate the games with the beer. And well, and and. Here's an idea for the Pro Tour. We're just giving them money now yeah, for yeah, crying out loud. I mean, come on. As the players go through this rotation of games, just, okay, cool. The players are done with the distance competition or whatever. They move on. Charge fans. You want to throw distance? See what you can get. The The yeah. skills challenge. Hey, now that they're done, they're over at the putting. Anyone that wants to hang out, you get five bucks and you get to run a, a round of uh, your competition. And you know, it might not make a lot of money. I don't know who. I don't know who's all going to be at the the All Star. It's usually not extremely well. In the past, based on where it has been, it hasn't been extremely well attended. But this year, assuming it's in Orlando, I think is that what it was announced. Mm-hmm. I believe yeah. so. It's going to be in Florida for sure. Yeah, that could be. Yeah, I don't know if it's definitely Orlando or not, but it could be pretty awesome. So, yeah. it'd be well attended. Yeah, uh, we just got to have fun with it. You know, I mean, everybody takes everything very seriously, and but I think that's a fun event. I think for the pros, it should be a fun event. Oh yeah. Know? Uh, so backing up just a little to the idea of some brands and and players, and obviously there's been a, a very significant trend in terms of players uh, often having their initials that then gets turned into their logo of some, I think obviously some do it better than others. Some people think just overall the whole concept is, is, played, is out. played out, whatever. I I think if it looks damn good, like then it looks good and it is, it is what it is. And I think it depends on what kind of personality is attached to it. My question to you would be, where should players go? Is that, can they start with you guys? Should they, should they find first, you know, some other designer and then bring to you some, some things to get printed or merch to get made up? Like what's kind of that process? I mean, yeah, I mean, if if you have a concept, we're happy to to make it look good. Um, but sometimes people need creative work done. Mm-hmm. We don't always have a ton of time for that. But there's so many designers out there, especially with Instagram and um, TikTok. These guys, the way they promote their designs and stuff, I've used several of their services. Actually, the design that we did for Terry was, uh, you know, a result of one of those. Mm-hmm. Um, but but yeah, um, yeah, get a good logo. It doesn't have to necessarily be your name. It just needs to be you. You know, uh, I think Brian Earhart, uh, Bearheart is a great example of a really good logo. Um, Luke Humphreys, I like. Like like Rose. Yeah. Luke Humphreys, you know, there's, there's some, obviously some of the, you know, initial logos are cool, but yeah, it's been done a lot. So it's really hard to, to make all of them look cool. I hate it because I have three initials and never works out for me. So (laughs) (laughs) it's going to be J, V, and D and it just, Mm. it's not going to work for me. Sorry. I mean, at least you'd stand out. I think what's yeah. clearly going to be partially <laughs> difficult is that when you have two players, 
uh, higher profile players and they have the same exact initials. And then it becomes like, I don't know, just kind of not a standoff, but like, okay, well, now you have a direct comparison. You're not only are you comparing with everyone else that's done the, the letters as logos, but now you have to compare with that other person that also has the exact same initials and can be uh, maybe a little uh, more obvious, which one looks better than another. Uh, So they can come to you now in the past, you've done quite a few things for the manufacturers as well and, or for players directly describe some of that relationship and how you sometimes fit in, in terms of helping out outfit either the players or help with the some of the manufacturers. I think Sarah Holcomb is probably one of the best examples. She was one of the first players that I sponsored back in 2009. And we've done everything from wrap her van, I think four times now to, you know, make all sorts of merch for her. And, you know, even just recently, we, we do fulfillment for her online. Um, if she needs more stuff when she's on the road, we ship it to her. You know, we, we help her out in a lot of different ways. And, and we do that for some other players as well. Um, Brian Earhart has his stuff online now. So go check that stuff out. Um, Nico has stuff online. Um, yeah. So, I mean, we, we kind of help out all these players from, you know, finding the right garments, you know, certain things maybe that they wouldn't know or see. I think that's the other thing too, is I know what other people are doing. So if, if two companies are doing the same thing, I usually let them know. So they don't both show up at the course with like the same, <laughs> Polo standard style kind of style for the year yeah 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 like hey let's let's not use this uh, you know so i kind of help you know guide them to a unique product so they're not showing up like everybody else so as much as you may love all these players and manufacturers you i have to assume you love uh contract season because that could potentially mean someone needs to get their van unwrapped and then rewrapped with a new sponsor or they need all new apparel or, you know, all new stuff. That sounds like, that sounds like it benefits you, right? Yeah. I don't really, I'm not so worried about people going from sponsor to sponsor. I think I'm more excited about when sponsors take their players um, brand and try to, you know, do something with it and, and invest in it, you know, making, products, whether it's discs or whether it's shirts, it doesn't always have to be apparel, but um, that's what's most exciting when, when everybody's excited when they sign a new contract and they want to have their apparel line out, they want to have all their stuff. And that that's fun to put those things together. What are, what are some of the, uh, I mean, maybe some of the advice or ways you may steer players because not, it's been pretty obvious that not every player is business forward or business centric and they don't necessarily need to be that might not just be their style and they're concerned about playing the best disc golf they can but was what might be some of the things that you either recommend or make sure they consider or or enlighten them to when they're when they're looking at building some of this stuff out i think you know it's kind of i came from a music background so obviously you know owning your brand owning your logo is important Mm. but there's going to be some manufacturers that maybe create a logo for you that's really good and they're going to own it. So you just have to decide how you want to do that and how you get paid for that. Because if you do switch a manufacturer, that logo is going to go by. And I've definitely had to throw a lot of stuff away, unfortunately, or recycle stuff or whatever. Um, but, but yeah, either p- figure out if you're going to make your own logo and own it 
or if you're going to, your company's going to own it and you're just going to get paid maybe higher for it, you know, upfront versus long-term. Yeah. And that, that probably, I think one of the most high profile players, you know, that we could talk about there is definitely Simon Lazat. That was a big part of the conversation about when he had the Lazat. Yeah. He had, he, you know, he left leaving disc mania and then even him saying, you know, I, maybe he feels as if moving on or having a different logo would be fine anyway, kind of gives you a fresh break or a fresh start, but his logo is not only good, but it was quite, you know, obviously it was synonymous with him. Yeah. I was just browsing around looking at different uh, shirts, just ideas for jerseys and shirts and things like that on the disc golf spots. And I went to thought space and I saw that they had a bunch of old Lazat stuff still from disc mania, disc mania logo, all his old jerseys. I'm like, yeah, that's probably not selling. It's probably, you know, he's got so much more cool stuff now with uh, MVP and the whole, his new Simon line. I was like, God, there's got to be so many like people that are stuck with old, old shirts, old hats, old, whatever. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. So if you want that $20,000 mystery box, I will hook it up. <laughs> so That's called throwback. Now that's in, that's retro it is yeah, more yeah, valuable. No. Don't let anyone tell you different. Yeah. That, yeah. You just got to hold on to it long enough. That's what Terry's doing. I'm in it for the long. Yes, I'm in it for the long haul. Mm -hmm. Or, or just like I saw a post not too long ago from uh, one of the collector groups or one of the disc golf groups on Facebook, and somebody's like, "This is crazy." Uh, Paige Pierce, blah blah blah, on this, you know, Discraft Nuke or whatever it was, and it just it truly was blowing a few minds as to what it was and how it was signed. And I'm like, guys, that's from when she was originally on Discraft. She went Discraft. Then to Prodigy, then to Dynamic, and then back to Discraft, and uh, just the fact that it existed, I think you know some people just don't know that history, and so like yeah. you said, you hold on to something long enough, you, you yeah. never know. Right, you might come back around. Yeah, I mean, I had like one, the buzz that I throw is like a dynamic buzz that I got from GBO in like mm-hmm. 2010. You know, so some people don't know about that kind of stuff. Yeah, so one of the questions I think that just came in, uh, Mike had said, uh, besides discs, what merch seems to sell the best? Shirts, minis, hats, et cetera. What are, just generically speaking, like what are some of the the things that seem to move the best for, for players and for support? I mean, I think for clubs, bag tags are probably one of the best things because they can sell them typically for a pretty good margin. A lot of clubs are selling bag tags for 20 and $25 for their yearly membership. And obviously they cost them two to $4. Uh, So that's probably one of the best uh, things to generate income for your club. Um, But for events, obviously things that don't have sizes like hats, beanies, patches, um, trying to think of some other stuff we've done, like little backpacks, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. Otherwise, you know, you start getting into rain jackets or um, hoodies, umbrellas, you know, it just depends on the part of the country. I think that's what's really cool about disc golf and what's helped me um, with my business is that, you know, disc golf is seasonal where I live, but you know, this time of year, I'm still printing for people in California and in Florida, <laughs> you know, where it's warm. Uh, so, so it's, it doesn't really stop. Start selling those electric vests up here. So, you know, just some yeah. custom logo electric vests. You'll be set. Keep everyone nice and toasty up when it's getting cold yeah. now. Yeah, that's a good call. What are uh, I, I know I've been a big fan of neck gaiters throughout the years, and I feel like those even go in spurts in terms of their overall 
My daughter uh, loves hers. Popularity. Uh, I still yeah, see it. a ton of them. I mean, we did so many of them during the pandemic, mm-hmm. and I still see people wearing them, which is super cool. I'm glad that like it was a multi-purpose and it wasn't just a pandemic thing, you know. Yeah, and and just to be clear for everyone out there, there of course, especially during the pandemic, there were really thin cloth neck gaiters that a lot of people were wearing, basically in lieu of masks. And then there's also like a thicker. Uh, winterized neck gaiter as well that you like that yeah. I'm talking about at least in terms of Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. I was always a big yeah. fan of those, and uh, yeah, they, yeah. Uh, I got some pro tour ones as we closed out a season and ended up doing those for a tournament. And I'm often told those are some of the best uh, player pack items I've ever mm. given away. Tom McManus loves his, so you can thank you can thank <laughs> Tom. Uh, <laughs> Is there is there a I know we kind of joked about timelines and such but when's when is when should people be planning uh when does it become crunch time you know what what are th- times that people need to be really cognizant of in terms of getting ready whether it's for the year or for an event like break out some of those timelines and how that typically works for you guys Typically our big rush for bag tags obviously some clubs start much later in the year as the weather um, but most of them are ordering them in December and January, you know, to get them out to their club as soon as possible. Um, as far as events, I typically try to get people to start, uh, getting designs and stuff at least 30 days prior to the event, sometimes much earlier. Cause most of these guys are getting dis stamped. And during the pandemic, that timeline was much longer than it used to be. Um, uh, I think it's probably catching back up a little bit, but, uh, you know, we're trying to have final numbers for shirts about two weeks prior sometimes two days prior, you know, in Terry's case. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, as, as long as we have a, t- a working timeline and, and we're, you know, getting like a pop-up email of, Hey, I need shirts for this weekend. And it's Tuesday. It doesn't usually work out too well sometimes, but if we had the design already and artwork and we knew all the details and what was expected, then that we usually can knock it out. No problem. So, but planning ahead is, is good. And just having that timeline of when you're going to close things down for registration. And if people um, miss that timeline, just you got to train them. They're not going to get a shirt, you know, or maybe you do sure. order some extra shirts. Uh, but I know everybody wants to please everybody, but I think getting people to sign up early and not let those people that wait till last minute, just to see what the weather's like, uh, whether they're going to sign up or not. Yeah, or even I'll, I'll use it myself as an example for this weekend. I essentially the event sold out last week, and now I'm occasionally getting I've probably processed six or eight refunds in the last week that are immediately refilled with other people. But making a shirt order and getting the exact sizes makes it that much more difficult. Uh, yeah. If I had ordered to exact you know the exact number to the people that were signed up a week ago like you just it becomes really challenging to be able to accommodate for everyone i might have the same amount of people but it's like hey if well, you can only if let four, them swap yeah, if, out if exactly, they're the same size that's what i'm saying yeah if four <laughs> if four larges you know uh got refunds and now four double extra larges show up like you might be out of luck. That's a separate wait list. Like, yeah. oh, sorry. No, you're, yeah, you were number one on the wait list, but you're number three on the XL wait list because we have to couple larges that we had to clear. That's, so that's what we went that's in. That's a W E I G H T list. Right? Yeah, that's, that's the different wait list. Exactly. So believe it or not, that's something that does get taken into consideration from a TD perspective. Like you said, you can order extras, but then sometimes a TD doesn't want to be sitting on extra units. I think that's one thing that obviously. 
you do really well, Terry, because you kind of ha- can can co-brand it with your event, but also your own personal brand and use them for later. But a lot of people don't want to have, you know, just their event logo on shirts, you know? Yeah. So sitting on 20, I think, I think that's a good shirts. idea too. Maybe. Yeah. Not having event specific shirts, just having a unique cool shirt, you know, whatever that may be. Uh, when it comes to events, you obvious, well, maybe not so obviously you very much are a disc golfer, but you, you don't, you don't play as much as you used to. You got into the disc golf business and now you're not playing as much as you used to. What what has to happen in order for you to actually go out and play and compete these days in a in a tournament? So one of my employees uh, has recently kind of gotten the bug, and um, going out and just seeing him improve has has been one thing. You know, he's asking me to go out all the time, and I go when I can. But obviously, having young kids is is difficult, um, and obviously a lot of work and travel. But um, he's definitely motivated me. I've definitely been out more, um, this year because of him, you know, just seeing how, how much he's improved and not that I'm any sort of teacher, but you know, I've played long enough to at least give him a few little pointers and, and see that improvement. And that's, that's pretty cool. So what is the, I, I think it's a great story. Talk about, you know, you started making t-shirts in high school, kind of briefly like walk us through the, the evolution of the company and then how many disc golfers, if any, do you employ? Well, obviously you have the one you just said, but it's not <laughs> well, a disc I golf. It's not a disc them. golf centric business, right? Yeah. I forced all of them to go disc golfing one day. So we took the okay. whole shop and, and everybody got to, to try it. So that's honestly when, when one of them was like, Oh, I'm going to do this and just getting outside and exercising. And um, yeah, uh, I'd say, Two serious, or I'd say about three serious disc golfers that we employ. And then, you know, the rest of people like have played, but aren't playing competitively anyways. Um, but yeah, as far as when I started uh, playing disc golf in 95, my dad lived in California and I played at Morley Field. That was the first place that I played. And Snapper Pearson showed me how to throw a disc. I had no idea who he was until probably... 15, 20 years later when I saw his name and like the hall of fame and stuff, I was like, wait, that's the guy that showed me how to throw the first time. So, um, and then, yeah, I was trying to uh, get a skate park, uh, here in Springfield and at the, one of the club meet or, uh, park board meetings, somebody else brought up a disc golf course. And I said, that'd be cool too. And I met with them and we, next thing you know, we had a disc golf course in about a year. Um, and then now we have four. So, uh, it's been pretty cool to see that grow. And then in terms of the growth of your company, like when you started making stuff, I mean, you started exclusively with t-shirts and then like, what was some yeah. of that evolution? Like what were, what were a few of the milestones for you? Well, I was going to say you started because, cause you, you were in the music industry, right? You, were you doing it for your band, for other bands? Like what, how, how, did, how did that, yeah. how did that go? And anyone we've ever printing heard of <laughs> printing for my band. Um, yeah, we did some stuff. Um, like we, well, no, I don't even want to say any of that kind of stuff about bands, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, I started with the music and my friend had a skate shop. So, you know, we were printing for the skate shop and yeah, just starting with, I really wanted to have a brand that I was selling. I mean, I think at the time Terry had Skyline, his apparel company, and I was like, oh, that'd be cool. I want to do that. But it is literally the hardest thing to ever do. So the people that do that and do it successfully, I'm, I'm very impressed. And I just 
thought it would be much easier to print for people that just needed stuff um, for their clothing lines or for their events. So I quickly changed Paragon from a, a clothing brand to maybe more of a clothing provider mm. to other people, you know, to really work alongside with them instead of, you know, trying to work against them. I still make some Paragon stuff and I don't typically sell it. I usually only give it away. So uh, if you ever want something, just hit me up and I'll, I'll try to get you something. Yeah, I've got a Paragon shirt, I think, upstairs from something. I don't know. I have to look. I mean, I'm pretty sure you're wearing something right now. Well, this this is something that you guys printed for us, the Smashbox TV shirt. And I put this on this morning, not knowing you, because I rarely know who the guest is going to be. That's Terry's job. (laughs) He comes in and I tell him like, who's on tonight? Like, cool. All right. We're going to have miles on. And I realized like, oh yeah, I'm wearing, I'm wearing this. Yeah. Yeah. He texted me today. I was like, is it that slow in disc golf right now? He's like, (laughs) yep, pretty much. Uh, No, I said you were my first, my first. The first person that popped into my mind did. You were the first retailer he talked to. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Once, once I knew my shirts were, you know, on the truck, then I was like, okay, now we can have this, this guy on. Yeah. If they're going to get here in time. Uh, In, in doing that printing, has it been done? Cause I, it's great that you're in disc golf and you do all this stuff for disc golf. I think what's, could be really exciting and inspiring for others is to realize like you're you you start out like disc golf adjacent in some ways you know your primary focus wasn't like hey i'm going to create this you know big printing company and exclusively do disc golf but you found a way to incorporate and partner and everything else what what is that like like how big is your operation and then name maybe a few of the other places you you do some kind of back-end work and fulfillment for don't you yeah. Um, obviously we work at the pro tour. We used to do a lot of work with NADGT. Mm-hmm. Uh, we work with upper park, uh, you know, so there's a lot of things that we're touching and shipping out for these companies. Um, I, I think some of the coolest things is just, you know, I started when I first started, I had two employees and now I have 22 employees, you know, and the first two that I have still work for me. So that's wow. pretty cool. When did, when did they start? Uh, I mean, Johnny and I worked together at the, the skate shop. So we were printing shirts when we were working the shop. So I, if you really count that, it's probably like 2001 or two right. or something. I, mm-hmm. I don't even know. Right around there. So it's been a long time. Uh, and you, if anyone follows some of your Instagram, you guys manage to have a good time at the shop. Things Things don't get... I mean, obviously you have work to do and there's some serious business, but it seems like you guys yeah. just uh, yeah, find other ways to make sure you keep it loose. What what was going on there a week or two ago that I asked you about? I don't What are you talking about? Did you have uh, uh, some kind of games that were played? I, I've seen one chip challenges that take place. You guys always celebrate birthdays. I see that. Yeah, we always we always do birthdays. Actually, tomorrow. Oh, chili pretty... cook-off. That's what it was. Oh, yeah, yeah, we did We did a chili cook-off. Um, that was pretty fun. Um, yeah. And tomorrow you'll have to follow our stories. It's going to be, it's going to be fun. Uh I've Hmm. I've got the, the whole shop split into three teams. They don't even know any of this yet. Um, and I can't really give too many details because I don't want any of them to get a jump start on it, but (laughs) it's a scavenger hunt. That's all I will say. And it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to it. You should design a scavenger on that ultimately like just gets more work done. <laughs> like, who can print these 50 t-shirts the fastest? 
who can get them boxed up and over to UPS the quickest? I don't know. Do, do you yeah. have any uh, Hall of Fame, Hall of Shame stuff that you keep? Like things that are so good, you're like, wow, I really like, really mm. like this kind of maybe stuff one away or things that are so bad that you hang up in the office and you guys all laugh at. Uh, we definitely always say every day is a new way to mess up a t-shirt. Okay. Mm. Um, unfortunately, like un- unlike uh, stamping discs, I feel like the disc industry is so lucky when they mess up, they literally sell the disc for more. Sometimes. And yep. when we mess up a shirt, like we typically have to throw it away or use it as a test print. Uh-huh. Like, Man, why could I not get in that industry where when I mess up, I actually got more money. Mystery um, boxes. Who <laughs> wants a 12 time yeah. missed stamp t-shirt <laughs> from the local high school. <laughs> well, so we did, we did a, a, a triple stamp thing for Nate at Ledgestone. I don't even remember exactly what the design was. But it was so weird for our staff to look at something because it was supposed to look like it was misstamped, you know, how a, a triple stamp would mm-hmm. look, but it looked misprinted. So anybody maybe in our industry would look at it as a terrible print, but anybody <laughs> in the disc golf world knows exactly what that is and like, oh, that's a valuable disc right there. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of funny when those two worlds collide. Well, just as one example, I ordered 190 long sleeve really thin like t-shirt hoodie materialed i uh, shirts i love the the smashbox one that we have the one that's upstairs oh uh, that's a different one but, oh, but uh, i, I but love anyway. the smashbox one so there so that's what i ordered with that in mind if i ordered 190 that's what i'm hoping show up tomorrow what how many are you ordering from the manufacturer in terms of then making sure you have a few extra? Like, what's that number roughly? If I ordered, if I ordered one ninety, how many are you guys ordering? I ordered one ninety. So you didn't f up a single one. No, our guys are good, man. Dang, we're usually operating on like a point zero one loss. That's, I was just going to say, what do you guys call that? Not really shrink. So yeah. loss. So that's what you so, guys. Yeah. And I'm, okay. and typically, I mean, I know you ordered extras. So if I had to short you one or two, uh, but it's a single color. If we were printing like five print locations, mm-hmm. yeah, we might order extra. But with one print location, one color, one side, I mean, if we messed up, then, you know, then that was bad. But yeah, quality controls coming in tomorrow. I can't wait to. I'm going live just to double check that every one of these look. Yeah, let's do it. Do it. I hope every shirt. Make sure they're all straight. Yeah, make sure they're all straight and the right color. What is color option at the last second? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, (laughs) can't make anything easy. (laughs) I love it. I love the throw tear into the bus segments. This is the best. I'll I'll bite my tongue a little. You're finicky. Yeah, sure. Uh, (laughs) What is the biggest misconception or misunderstanding that people have when it comes to, I'm, I'll say, I'll keep it just to screen printing because I know you do a ton of stuff, but when it comes to screen printing and, and running 190 of these uh, hoodies for me, of which about 60 will still be for a sale, uh, what is the biggest misconception or, or just, yeah. I think artwork, usually people grab artwork from, especially if they've never printed anything before, they just, Maybe grab from their Facebook page, screenshot, text it, whatever they want to do, and they think, we'll just print it. It looks good. Like, hmm. yeah, on the phone it does, but when we blow that up, it's not going to look crisp and clear. And so, you know, letting people know the difference between vector and raster images hmm. is probably one of the hardest things to do. Uh, 
But if people have ordered discs, they usually know and they can usually get our work. And a lot of the disc manufacturers, we share logos back and forth if they need something or or we need something. We can usually get it. You just got to ask. Yeah, it's got to be getting easier. And I know you touched on this earlier. Uh, for God's sakes, I technically took a picture of something that turned out to be the stamp for this week, took a picture and turned it into vector artwork myself. I I learn that all on my own. But see, wow. here's the thing. There's some of those websites out there where literally it just changes the extension. So uh, like, yeah, I saved sure. it as an AI file. And I'm like, <laughs> no. it's still that crappy JPEG. <laughs> no. It's just an AI file. It's, no, I, I opened like actual Illustrator and I, I, I followed some very easy online, uh, you know, step-by-step process. Mm-hmm. But my my point though still is it, that all that technology, computers, everything else have made things so much more easy and yeah. accessible for people to actually get things figured out. Um, have you found... And with just YouTube, I mean, you can literally go watch a YouTube video and it'll show you how to do it. Okay. You know? Yeah. YouTube University. Go to it. When was the last time you actually screen printed something? Like, screen printed on a on a, on a old school, like, screen? And not, not one of your fancy new machines. It's, it's, been, a, it's been a minute. It's been a minute. Probably what, maybe like the last time we did a live printing event a couple years ago. Okay. Um, where we, I had my original press that I had, like one of my mom's friends welded together for me in 2000. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't get to do it much. I'll go out and catch or pull occasionally, you know, but I don't, I don't get into it as much as I used to. I feel like like a lot of our technologies, some of that stuff is just becoming more obsolete and or or there's just other ways that it's getting done and providing as good or sometimes better, oh, better yeah. Uh, yeah, better output. And therefore, some of those skills and trades clearly are just either not being taught or or just people aren't familiar with them whatsoever. Is that is that I mean, are you brought into the local high school and like kids? Still, still make your screens. Are you still, do you, do you help? With, I mean, what is it about maybe that art and or that process that uh, keeps things alive? Well, I think just seeing the end product is what keeps it alive. Uh, I actually just did a career fair at my high school on Friday. And uh, the teacher uh, is actually retiring. Her first year was my last year in high school. Um, right, just cool. how much. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all the all the equipment has just changed drastically. I mean, one room used to be just offset printing equipment, printing mm-hmm. paper. All that equipment was gone just in the two years that I was there. And now it's completely gone, you know, because everything's really digital. There's not a whole lot of like offset printing and, and T-shirt printing is getting there, that way a little bit. I mean, there's the DTF. Uh, printing, not the DTF you're thinking of, Terry. <laughs> Damn it! Um, I was like, me and Snooky in Jersey Shore with Jay Wow had a few thoughts there, but anyway, uh, direct to film printing, like that's is a pretty hot thing now. So, uh, and then obviously direct to garment, that was a digital print thing. I, I feel like that might not stay around forever, but then there's some hybrid printing where you're, you're screen printing your base and then you're digital printing on top. Um, so there's there's things that might eventually affect our uh, industry. I just don't know when or or how fast that'll happen. I mean, it's still very, very expensive. So, but I, I think the way that we do it is, is the most cost effective way uh, to do it. 
Uh, give everyone, just because you, you, we've all seen the ads, I think almost no matter what your algorithm is, at some point you see an ad that's like, oh, order 500 T-shirts with anything you want on it, and we print it tomorrow, and you know we get them to you for, for $400, you know, 500 T-shirts for $500, yeah. whatever the insane pricing is. Get, right. Give us the, like, the, the yay or nay, or like what are they missing so that people... The quality of the shirt probably do or don't get sucked into that. Like no, what, no, the, what, what, what's going on there? Literally do like hundreds of those orders a day, um, and if you order, if you add anything else, it's going to be regular price. And okay. most people want something else, you know. So I know some of those guys that do that, and they're super successful. Sorry, my cat is just like wanting to play <laughs> with everything. Um, so yeah, I mean, th- there's definitely times when I've thought about doing that. That's not really our our uh, our business model. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we have deals like that and, and we probably have pricing very close to that sometimes. We just don't go around advertising it. Um, mm. So yeah, if somebody needs a deal like that, hit me up. I'm sure I can probably uh, get very close to it. And yeah. what, like, quantity. So small quantities, large quantities. I know it, my wife and other people I've recommended to you have gone to get like shirts like, Oh, we're, we're doing a team walk. We'd like a, we'd like, you know, a dozen shirts or something. Is there a specific quantity that you prefer to work with or that you kind of shun away from for screen printing? Um, 24 piece is our minimum. Um, but we, with, with the direct to film printing now, we literally do one shirt. Mm, So if you need one shirt, we'll do one shirt. Cool. Obviously it's going to cost more, but you know, if you need the shirt, we'll do it. Well, what is, what do you feel like is next that we're going to see? And, and I'll use either t- re- just, uh, I'll say regular tournaments or pro tours or majors, whatever. And and of course, I don't need uh, any insight as to who would be on them. But what are some of the, the assets that you think we're going to see coming out? Like what's kind of hot? What's trending right now that you think you might see uh, a major or regular tournaments or the pro tour uh, start heading into? What types of like assets or other things. I think, I think some of the inflatable stuff is probably going to yeah. start happening. I think as there's more money um, that, you know, it's, it's going to, the, the quality of the assets are going to get better, you know? So some of those 3d signs, maybe instead of being foam, they will be metal or, or there'll be something a little more solid um, that'll last a little bit better. So somebody hits it with a disc, it doesn't put a hole in it. Um, Brian. as we've seen before, I think that was Brian Earhart too, wasn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think just the quality is going to, and I think things are going to maybe get a little bit bigger, you know, on scale, um, just as these venues look bigger and more people. So big, big archways, mm. big flags, Me- more meat, more sausage archways. Are, are you going to be, <laughs> are you a sausage maker and are we going to see more sausage archways? Like- archways. Archways, sorry, uh, that uh, our player is going to be walking through. Yeah, I don't know. I, I see the one thing that we did was for Johnsonville that was the follow through mats. What did you guys think of those? I don't remember. I mean, I thought they looked cool. Uh, I was worried somebody was going to trip on it, but, um, you know, I, I think that was a really cool asset. And it's, um, it's helpful, honestly, I, I think, for courses. Yeah, I like it. Uh, I'm good with it. And, and, Again, I, I put on my course designer hat and I think about, you know, one of the most eroded spots on an entire course. Obviously, you walk around a basket, so that gets eroded. And then right off the front of the tee, the front and the back of the tee are very common 
uh, places for erosion. So to have some kind of a mat there or something as people fall forward, not to say you can't, you know, eventually kill the grass and everything else. But if it's set down there for a weekend and or if it's uh, incredibly muddy or something, I, I love the idea of having some of those mats. I remember seeing those the last couple of years over mainly at our uh, Pro Tour Championship. Mm. What yeah. about, uh, I think another popular thing that you are maybe involved with is uh, some stencils that then ultimately get painted. And then usually that becomes more of a drone uh, asset kind of is, uh, is something like that can be yeah, so maybe more popular. That, that was a good example of, of something that I didn't uh, necessarily have the capacity to do in house. And I found the company uh, that does it for a lot of the major football college, you know, and pro teams and just connected the pro tour with them and said, Hey, these guys, you know, make it on the biggest scale. So I think there's going to, you're going to see more of that. I think that's a really cool feature. I think it's hard with ground screw of like getting the grass cut, getting it painted, potentially after painting it a second time. Uh, it, it gets kind of pricey uh, with, with paint and time, but it does look cool if you get a good aerial shot. Hmm. Have you thought, I again, just seeing a little bit of the F1 stuff in Vegas, have you thought about, I don't know, getting uh, like, 10,000 drones together and then having those all like do the stuff in the sky. Have you thought about that? Or are you out of the drone business? I, I mean, I got out of the drone business after the first one that I bought for you. So <laughs> oh, that's when that drone got out of the business too. Unfortunately, was, that was the first flight. I think. Yeah. Uh, it was close to it. They have to link that video somewhere, Johnny. So, you know, people that weren't around nine years ago could go watch it. Yeah. yeah. God, I, I remember that. Us, I remember us learning to fly it inside Dodge's living room. Yeah. Like just in inside, for those that don't know, Do- Steve Dodge had a living room that was, uh, there was like a uh, larger vaulted ceiling. It was a larger vaulted ceiling and you had a walkway around it and we were just playing with it inside, up and down, up and down. And the first thing Terry does, he takes it out to go to hole one and, and drone hole one and he gets all the way down there and I'm standing next to him and I'm like, Terry, Terry, and he's looking down at his phone and then uh, he goes right into the tree. Just keeps going straight through it, like there was like it wasn't even there. Didn't realize there was like just a didn't realize. Yeah, yeah, the, the delay. delay on the camera. The delay yeah, on yeah. the camera. It came and, up quick. And uh, and that that yeah, the the tree came up came out real quick. Yeah, I found it. it I linked it. I, I yeah, I it was. Shot. I've linked it officially in our in our chat. If somebody wants to watch it, I don't know if Johnny can possibly even bring I, it up on screen. I, I can probably bring it up on screen uh, look, here. We'll, we'll take a look at Miles. What nine nine years ago or so? <laughs> and miles here. today. Yeah. Oh, you oh. haven't aged a minute. Yeah, oh, and I love Paragon it. Paragon Disc Golf, and we're proud to sponsor Smashbox TV with aerial coverage. It's going to be awesome because they're really good at flying this thing, and it's going to look <laughs> great. They're awesome at this. Great it's acting skills too. Check yeah. It out. <laughs> I mean, look at just the course. How much it's changed. Yeah. This is hole one at Maple Hill, of course. It's a beautiful flyover. It really is. There's not an asset site. Not a yeah, not a single one. Awesome! Look at this. That's oh man, man. There's and there's hole one. It's right in. It's, it's right. going. It's right. Oh oh Jesus! There. Nope. Oh gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Fail. <laughs> So that might have been uh, the uh, the maiden voyage and uh, and the final one. Uh, I think we got it up and running a little bit. We we fixed it, and it didn't. Re- it never quite flew the same. I'll tell you that. No. I, so we, I, I remember bad. trying to do it myself, and I think I got it up one other time, and it just never quite. Ugh. Yeah, I think you were back on like hole ten or something up on like the 
kind of the hill. Yeah. The only other wide open area. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, I haven't gotten much better uh, since then, unfortunately. You took it out just the other day. Uh, you were doing all right. To this day, I still say, I don't fly drones. I try not to crash drones. Like, there's a very different uh, mentality when you're going into that. And I applaud every single disc golf or otherwise, uh, you know, drone pilot that's out there that somehow can always avoid the trees. So, all right, Miles, winding down 2023, what for you, and I know we just talked about a lot of different facets of disc golf and ways you're involved and things that you do. Uh, what what excites you the most about as we head into yet another season of disc golf? You're obviously intimately involved on the pro tour and then all these different club and tournament levels. But what what excites you the most as we head into 2024? So one of the most exciting things for 2023 was uh, the Northeast Disc Golf Expo, mm-hmm. um, which for me was the first expo that was all disc golf that I knew of. I don't know if there was really anything before it. Um, I jumped on that and and helped Ben a bunch. And uh, this year he said, Hey, do you want to be the title sponsor? So 2024 uh, Northeast disc golf expo, January 27th, 28th. Um, Really excited about that. Got a lot of the, you know, big manufacturers going to be there, hopefully dropping unique limited edition stuff. You know, last year, or I guess this year, I think there was over 1,500 uh, attendees, uh, probably about 40 different um, people showcasing products. Um, so that's really exciting just to get all those people together and and see people get really excited. It kind of reminds me of the days of like, y- you guys will remember like Bowling Green, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the big fly marts they used to have. It's, it's like that, but even bigger, you know, so... Uh, hope, unfortunately, I know Terry, you're not gonna be able to make it this year, but hopefully, uh, in, in, in the future, you'll be able to make it and maybe speak. I know Steve Dodge is going to be there and he's going to do a keynote and, um, hopefully Brian Earhart, uh, I know, uh, MVP will be there and Innova and I don't know who, I don't want to say any other names for sure, but there's definitely a lot of, uh, of the big guns there for sure. Yeah, and I just linked it in the description, and I'll or, uh, link it in the chat. I'll try to remember to link it in the description as well. Uh, all the information seems to be on the website, uh, you, as you just said, January twenty seventh and twenty eighth, uh, Saturday ten to seven, Sunday ten to five. Uh, takes place out in Boxborough, Massachusetts, uh, exit seventy five. Uh, and then you have everything in here that somebody might need to know, right? The exhibitor info I'm seeing, uh, vendors, sponsors, all that other stuff. And then, uh, yeah, some of the stuff will get added as the event gets a little closer as far as, you know, the, the time frame of when people are going to be talking and, and whatnot. But yeah, right now it's more about just getting all the vendors lined up and, and then start announcing, you know, special deals or special products that will be at the, the event. Uh, off the top of your head, what is, is there a, a fee to just to, uh, Oh, right there. Yeah. Uh, admission. It's $15. $15. Yep. yep. Okay. Yep. Free parking admission. It's right there. You couldn't, as my mother would say, any closer and it'd bite you. It's right there in the, uh, top of the website. So $15, yeah. uh, that's awesome. And yes, unfortunately I'm going to be out of the country, uh, around that time. But, uh, do you guys foresee this regionalizing if that's a, a word uh, definitely definitely something i'd like to do you know whether ben wants to do it i don't know how quickly that can happen but um it's definitely been talked about so you know uh but i think plenty of people are wanting to travel i mean 
a lot of people are kind of getting that cabin fever, you know, that time of year in that part of the country. So they want to get out of their house and go do something. Um, you know, overthrow was there doing like form reviews, which I knew really nothing about. Uh, but I, I got to see those guys do some really cool stuff. And, uh, you know, Jesse from trash Panda was there and Robbie C was there. So all these guys that, you know, your YouTube personalities were there, which was cool to see those guys in, in real life. And, and, uh, hear some jokes and, you know, throw some discs. Yeah. I love it. It, uh, it, I think it's awesome. Obviously a few years ago, right. We, we saw the, uh, the guys from infinite were putting together and obviously that came mid pandemic and everything else. And they're trying to get something yeah. similar going in Las Vegas before the Las Vegas challenge. And then that ended up not materializing. And then yeah. the fact that you guys have this, Similar in concept on the other side yeah. of the country. You've already got one year in, and I think it's awesome that it's uh, you guys are all lined up for the second year um, to keep things going. So I love yeah, and, and and Ben added uh, I think almost double the the floor space. Okay, so there'll be a lot more vendors this year, which I hope brings more people. Uh, and just as a little perspective, obviously you have a lot of merchandising and you know asset. And, and opportunities, promotional stuff that you can fulfill and help people with. But then Ben has a background and does uh, shows of this nature. That's kind of his bread and butter, is it not? Yeah. Yeah. He's been doing fishing expos with his dad for like eight years. So he's mm. got that part down. And I helped bring in a couple connections and of, of people that he didn't know yet. But, you know, he's getting to know all these people. Um, you know, I know he's done some videos with Simon that have been pretty cool. I don't mm-hmm. know if you saw the one where he through that disc and literally uh, I think it was a hole in one, wasn't it? It was, it wasn't his second shot. Did you not see that Terry? I don't think oh, that I did. With, with Simon's new disc. Yeah. We, I think we watched yeah. it. He, yeah. He had yeah. Simon's new disc. He, he, Oh yeah. Cause he was talking about, um, yep. yeah. Him, him throwing it better than he did or whatever. Yeah. 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 So, okay. so yeah. Well, and that's awesome. And I, I wanted to point that out specifically because, uh, stuff of this nature is such a large undertaking and I love to see people kind of try to take it on. But then when you have an actual industry person that is bringing that knowledge, you know, right off the bat and able to help successfully organize and orchestrate it, I think that's just so much more beneficial. Not that anyone else couldn't do it, but when he already has that knowledge and that background, yeah. uh, I think it's incredible. Yeah. And it sounds like, uh, I think what was really cool team. though was, uh, a lot of the people that would come up and, and talk, you know, I'd ask them like, Oh, what's your PDJ number? You know, just to start conversation and people are like, what's the PDJ? Sure. Or <laughs> okay. like, Oh, you watch the pro tour. They're like, what's the pro tour. So there's these people that are coming to these events that are just disc golfers that literally have not been exposed to any of this. And we just think that everybody knows about all this stuff already. Sure. So it was really cool to expose them to those things. Um, one of the guys was actually Steve Dodge's plumber. And uh, he didn't know that Steve started the pro tour. So I told him that and, and, uh, then I think it kind of clicked like, Oh, that makes sense. You know, but, um, he asked me maybe how I got started in disc golf. And I said, well, you know, obviously Steve started the pro tour and, uh, you know, that obviously helped boost me. And he's like, he started the pro tour. Yeah. (laughs) So it's kind of funny. It it is because we're so deeply ingrained uh, here, obviously, and and I think that even speaks to maybe some of our viewers or listeners. Like, there's certain things you almost f- take for granted or assume that people are aware of, and everyone's on a different level in terms of what they care about. 
within golf. I, I would yeah. think if you're listening to us for two or three hours uh, a week on any given week, you might pick something up <laughs> that, or you're already really into it. Cause otherwise we'd be a couple of yahoos, but either way. Well, Miles, uh, also I want to get a plug in there that you, uh, obviously you've, we've, I've come to you countless times for lots of different things. Uh, Smashbox has also utilized a ton of your services, doing a lot of fulfillment in terms of, uh, uh, the apparel giveaway as part of our Patreon for, for quite some time when that was one of our options. So we just got to thank you for uh, any and Is all. Is that support. not an option anymore? No, I, I, stopped, I stopped doing that because I, honestly, I started running out of ideas and I know there's a thousand ideas we could do. And it's like, I hate bothering. But I heard they just changed some of their rules too, that people that were doing it more kind of like a lottery almost, it was illegal in some States. Yeah. So now I don't do those things yeah you're those things. yeah you're not supposed i mean for for the like the clothing gives away giveaways and stuff that's all totally legit it's yeah. just when like using it for a, a drawing or a winning something like that that you yeah. can't you're not supposed to do that yeah there's certain restrictions yeah. based around some of that so uh but nonetheless we have always appreciated all the help that you've given yes. us and support you've given us over here uh in fact you saw some of the very original Smashbox logos and designs from way back in 2014. Ugh. I have I have a Dropbox did we, folder. Did we design this one? No. Did we no. design this one? No. No. We had some various ideas, and then there was some tweaking and some um you know, some final tweaking. And I think you probably took it from like a JPEG uh, yeah. to uh, making a vector. You probably but, vectorized it for you yeah. at some point. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but nonetheless, uh, I know I have a Dropbox folder still with a whole bunch of original there you concepts go. and designs and ideas from from Robax. Smashbox. We we could do a we could do a uh, print up an all failed logo. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's a good idea. The ones I actually I think up. I have some Smashbox shirts still on a shelf somewhere so if you guys need some just let me know. Yeah. I, 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 I should know your shirts today. Seems like that should be a giveaway tonight. Oh god. Maybe. Yeah. Um, or or yeah. a mystery box Paragon giveaway tonight sponsored by Miles. <laughs> uh, there you go. I like it. Yeah pick, yeah, pick somebody's name. Let's let get some. Pick a winner. Let's send them a box of stuff. Yeah, Let's, you you should probably still have yeah, uh, get their size. And yeah, I think we have some of what the Raglan three quarter sleeve sleeve yep. shirts. Yep. And then just some of the original dry fits, which is like the bar stamp logo. Oh, yeah. Those are, oh, those are nice. Yeah. I like those. Yeah. Some of the and I I yeah. want to go on record here and tell everybody, it is in talking to Miles and then making a number of these orders throughout the last 10 or so years that any t-shirts that I do that, that I order will always be of at least the 60, 40 blend uh, (laughs) to make sure they're super soft and super, super comfortable. Uh, You're never, I'll say from me personally, you're never getting a cotton t-shirt that miles or anyone else has done. You're always going to get it in above, you know, a next level, pardon the, the name brand pun there, but you're going to get a next level t-shirt that is not just a, a basic standard crappy, you know, Jersey Hanes cotton, hundred percent cotton t-shirt. My miles turned me on to that. So a lot of you guys for the super soft shirts, you guys can thank the, uh, some of the influence there for miles. So they, I'm sure appreciate it. Miles. Cool. Got to get good t-shirts. All right. Uh, anything else? Uh, any sponsors you'd like to thank? No, uh, no. But is there any any anything you'd like to say before we cut you here? Uh, cut you loose here tonight, Miles. 
Uh, no, I mean, I just, I do remember Terry, uh, when I think I reached out to you, uh, to try to print for you mm-hmm. and, uh, you kind of gave me the cold shoulder. I told you uh, to have off. I was, I was a nobody. I had not been in this golf, you know, community for very long and took a couple years and then we actually got to meet and then you gave me the time of day and, you know, <laughs> come on, you, are, you're spinning this a little hard. I, I, I believe uh, it hundred percent. Yeah. Nothing to Terry, big time. It wasn't a matter of being a nobody. Uh, it was a matter oh, of seeing your advertising yeah, everywhere. And I'm like, what the hell is this stuff? Yeah. You're, you're not the only one. There's, there's definitely other people that <laughs> I, I wish I still had the emails of how rude they were to me that are now huge. customers. You have no email like that from me though. None of no. me. Well, I think a no response, probably. Yeah, probably no response. Yeah, that's that. That's more like it. Yeah, you're pro- probably because you're trying to crash in on my uh, tournament directing territory and uh, uh, no, trying I never to want to direct the tournament ever. I will never. Try, but trying to come in and get in on some of the business that. Don't worry about that. Yeah. Either way, yeah. And then what? A few few months later, I'm helping you uh, with a tournament and film a tournament in, in your neck of the woods. I yeah. I think it's all. Oh, that out. is true. That yeah. is true. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that was a really good event. I, yes. I wish I could do that again. We just need another weekend on the schedule. If you could just make <laughs> there's one up. not enough weekends in the year. There's not. Trust me. No. Uh, no. As much as I love running tournaments, I I absolutely do miss it as well, and that's why I'm down to just the two that I have. So I. Uh, we're all running out of time. All right, Miles. Well, we appreciate you again, kind of a, always a behind the scenes, uh, not nearly recognized enough hero out there on the tour. And you, and I know what you and your staff all go through to keep things going behind the scenes. And, uh, I just really want to say thank you so much. And the disc golf community, uh, owes you a big round of applause. So we appreciate you, buddy. Yep. Thank you guys. You should be in charge of all of the pro tour shirts this year. This upcoming year. Make that happen. I mean, I think there's going to be multiple people doing that, but we will try to do as many as we can. Yeah. But no, seriously, when I get off here, make sure you pick a name, get their shirt size. Okay. Let's send them some, like a mystery box of shirts. Oh, I like it. Oh, yeah. We could do, yeah. Mystery yeah, box we, of shirts. Yeah. Cause yeah, we've got, yeah, like I said, you've got a couple probably of the ones. Yeah. We'll of make ours. It happen. And then some OG yeah, miles. We'll some smash box and we'll give yeah. them some other stuff. It'll be a mystery. All right. Oh, he's just looking to billboard up people. I, I'm on to this guy. <laughs> a Paragon shirt, a oh, Smashbox. All right, buddy. We love we'll, you. Thanks again. Right, we'll, we'll, def- we'll definitely get somebody's info here. Wait for that so, QC video right. tomorrow. If all I right. find one, one, uh, oh, yes. one drop of uh, screen print out of place. Yeah, do it. Okay. All right. Thanks, have a good night. Miles. See ya. All right. Good night. Later. <laughs> all right. <sighs> Terry Miller, giving Miles. the guy, giving the guy a hard time. Well, I mean, just saying. I am excited, and you know, truth be told, I, exactly as he indicated, when I have hosted a number of events, it's it's been great to order. If I have a hundred or hundred and twenty players, for instance, that will be getting them this weekend, I may order closer to one hundred and fifty or even two hundred, and then knowing not only will I should for sure then have enough sizing for everybody, even all the people that change at the last moment, but then uh, when I go to other events, uh, I'll bring some of these along, and then people that want to support or hopefully get a cool looking item, I'll already have like a certain amount in stock. Hmm. And that's exactly uh, what will happen. Just like uh, some of you saw the uh, 
the hoodies that we did last year for this event were kind of just a gray hoodie with a uh, super thin, lightweight one that had my logo on the front in a kind of a gradient. This year, we're going to go with a slightly different route, but same style of hoodie, just different color schemes. So lots of good stuff. Sam says, not kidding, would buy a mystery box of shirts my size. So Sam, well, d- don't go buying anything because you just might win. We might. You could yeah. win it tonight. That's true. Anything is possible. We'll be there. Uh, we got to find a way to give something like that away. Yeah, we'll do. Uh, I'm Okay. We'll do that. All right, let's talk about some other things going on in the wonderful world of disc golf now that we got a little bit of behind the scenes. Johnny, you want to start with a few of our larger scale events? Maybe uh, rattle off just a couple of the winners. I would love to. We'll start at the 2023 Lake County Trailblazer driven by Innova Pro Weekend down in Eustis, Florida. We talked about that last week because that was last weekend. Was it? Oh, you're yep. right. Yep. I'm sorry. I'm, Andrew Marweed's still your winner, he though. He still won. Andrew <laughs> still Andrew. won. I mean, you know what? If you won it once, it's good <laughs> enough to win it twice. Um, I don't know if we have. Yeah, uh, Jacksonville. Oh, the Jacksonville. Uh, right. A tier took place. It just so, didn't. A couple names you'll recognize. Yeah, winning this one was Corey Ellis. Corey Ellis takes uh, tied with Double G, Garrett Gerthy, but wins obviously in a playoff. Braden Sides in third place and tied for fourth was Zach Kitchen and Ian Burchett. Over on the FPO side, Holly Finley wins this by a single stroke over Jessica Weiss. Third place, a three-way tie between Eliezra, Middling, Sarah Hokum, and Morgan Linz. And it just kind of, again, it goes to show you, like, Eliezra's the real deal. Yeah. She's, she is, she shot, uh, let's look at her round ratings here. 917, 957, 968. So she started out a little slow, only three strokes behind Holly, but uh, Holly Finley just had a, a, a real solid next couple of rounds. And I think that we're going to see Ellie on the tour just kind of making a name for herself if she hasn't already. That was really the only A tier we had. Yeah, that was the big one. And the, the other one that continued to pop up uh, on my radar was the Lone Star event that took place over the weekend it was a b tier but it seemed like we had a couple of uh slightly larger names that were at it and uh when it was all said and done uh if you scroll down just probably a little bit uh uh, it's on there because i lone star disc oh the disc championships all right that was it was a b tier and uh again i saw they did a great job because i it jumped out on my page and my algorithm uh in terms of this b tier and uh having a couple uh, some so good, some of our bigger MPO names that we're playing were here. Real solid payout, it. 46 players in MPO, but the winner took home $3,000. Uh, Aiden Scott won this in a playoff over Emerson Keith. Third place was AJ Carey, a tie for fourth place, fourth place between Nico LaCastro and Jake Hebenheimer. So otherwise known, I think, as Jason Hebenheimer. Same sure. Same guy. They pick, call him different names. He just picks a first name. It doesn't matter. Uh, in FPO, I did see this, that yeah. Juliana Corver shot her second highest rated round of all time. PDGA made a mistake under their original post that it was her highest rated, but she had, I believe she made a post saying at one point she shot like a 1030-something rated round, thanks to Stat Mando correcting it. But Juliana Corver shot a 10-16-55. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Um, amazing. Yeah. What an amazing, like just on the ball, winning by three strokes over Lisa, Lisa Fakus. Third place, Deanne Carey, tied for, oh, you know, there's a big tie for fourth place. I was going to rattle them up, but there's like five or six five of them. So fourth, well, well done, everyone in fourth place. Yeah, so Juliana Corver taking it down this weekend. Uh, and then I think also in the news, uh, somewhere along those lines, at least via her socials, we saw that she had made a comment talking about uh, playing more in an international capacity. Yeah, she's heading over to Southeast Asia, I believe, to play in some events over there. Uh, Australia as well. Yeah, I don't know if she's playing. Is she playing in Asia as well? I I, I, thought, I saw New Zealand in Australia. Oh, oh was it? I thought um, I thought I did she, not see specifically. I, I thought I heard Southeast Asia from somebody, but maybe that was just a po- a social media. If post. so, she's she's uh, quietly skipping the events that I'm going to be involved with. I don't blame her. I'm not gonna <laughs> yeah. lie. Uh, so that's why I, I don't think it's quite uh, not the same that part of the the okay. world, so to speak. Uh, but I know she is going international, and I think I saw New Zealand. Uh, and Australia, as you had just mentioned. So either way, uh, should be pretty exciting for her and uh, for her husband, Jim. Jim making a post on social media just this evening. So I think that's why um, I was going to quickly talk about it because it brings up a question that's been asked in the past. And um, I wanted to get right to it, if I can find it and pull it up. It had specifically said uh, somewhere he had said, and I, I apologize, I don't know the context, but this was a post from his Facebook that he posted somewhere. Perhaps the PDGA should give all Hall of Fame members a lifetime membership so the history can always be preserved and viewed. At this point, there are only 103 members. Seems like a small but important investment. And I guess for one clarification, it's, it's always preserved. Viewed is... is well, and that's... It's not Your stats aren't... They're, they. To some degree, are hidden. There's to n- some people. To some people, that's new with the PDGA this yeah, upcoming so talk year. Talk about that. As if you are a PDGA member, you are going to be able to view all historic data from the PDGA, but you have to be a member. If you are no longer a, a member, current member, a current member, correct. If you are no longer a member and you have expired, then s- that data will be hidden to you from people who are not a member. Uh, for instance, we've saw in the past Ken Climo had let his lapse. And so no, or, uh, Nate Doss has let his lapse at times. So you, the people could not view that data. Well, now the PDGA has changed it. So if you are a member, 
you can view that data, which I think is a great solution. I think we even maybe we even talked about this last week. I don't think we did yet. Uh, uh, maybe we maybe we might we have privately about, talked. We might have talked about it off the air. Um, but yes, that is. I think that's great. I, I don't necessarily think that anyone is has the rights to those to see those. I think that that is fine. Being a, forcing you to be a PDGA member to see those stats, I'm okay with. Now, as far as Jim's conversation about Hall of Fame members getting a PDGA membership. I can give or take that much like uh, much like your discussion about whether uh, YouTube should give you YouTube premium after you hit X amount of subscribers. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, it's just it's one of those things that sure, if they did it, I'd have no complaints about. I've got no complaints that they don't do it because you could say Hall of Fame members. We could say world champions. There's always another level in my eye. And like when we say world champions, do we mean just MPO, FPO? Do you mean masters world champions? Do you mean junior world champions? Do you, you know, a, all AM the, world champions. And then you, then you go doubles world champions, putting championships yep. at the world champions. And then we have the argument, the discussion like, well, why is worlds any different than any other major? Should it be all major winners get life? Like it just, there is definitely a snowball that can happen and a cascade that, you know, give an inch, take a mile kind of thing where I feel we don't necessarily. And I know you have to be voted into the hall of fame. You're not winning anything. There's only 103 members four or five get put in every year, whatever that number is. And I wouldn't be opposed to it if, if, but you also have to remember the hall of fame is not run by the PDGA. We say it all the time. They work together but they are not the same organization. Yeah, so, and I, th- I think, uh, again, clearly if you're in the World Disc Golf Hall of Fame, you are likely a very active and uh, you know, you're a pillar or have been a pillar within the PDGA. That's almost for certain, right? So yes, they, are, they do run concurrently in that sense for the most part. But as you just pointed out, and that was my major point to to just to point out to the rest of the world that it is not the PDGA Hall of Fame even if it consists of mainly or almost all PDGA pillars it's not the PDGA Hall of Fame it is an entirely separate entity and that may or may not influence what you say or think mm-hmm. um but that is just one other component that I think is worth clarifying for people out there that it is not the PDGA Hall of Fame it is the World Disc Golf Hall of Fame and run and curated and, and funded by an entirely separate group. That's not the PDGA. None of your PDGA dollars go toward the Hall of Fame in a direct way. Maybe they issue them well, some tiny. There could be. I, there, I, I there would might, not say. Yeah, may, maybe I should back that up. Because the there Hall might be the tiniest contribution every year in terms of the it's PDGA. It's also hosted at the IDGC, so you can right. argue that there's... For now. For now, yeah, that there that there's some sort of money transfer there. Uh, Sam Martin brings up a question, or maybe a point, regarding some of the membership stuff. And, Tamer, maybe you would be better answer this, being a tournament director yourself. Sam is saying, for when a paid member... Mm-hmm. Or a former pro can't register in a different division if they're not a current member. But... I, am I wrong in saying that if you're a former member, you would still put your old PDGA number in there? You just wouldn't be current, and the and when you as a TD submit that that his their previous it would, it would still associate it with it, and they would see whatever your previous your last rating was, so to speak. Correct. And so that I don't think Sam is necessarily a thing. Now, there's nothing to stop any one of us from saying you're not a member. 
You know, I could go to any of any tournament and just be like, I'm John Van Derson. I'm not a member. Here's my ten dollars. Um, Until and, somebody knows better and or bust you. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I'm saying there's not a, if you're going to go that far where a, a former pro is now playing rack as you as the example you gave. At that point, I feel like you're <laughs> you might as well just say you're not a member and you could do the same thing. So it's meh, but yeah, and not that, that many people are legitimately doing that. Even you say that. So. Yeah. And if people were to do that, that would. Uh, you know, potentially set up some kind of grounds for uh, a quote-unquote suspension and or just being refused the opportunity to play. Uh, just as an example, because you you had said him, and I knew he wasn't current. Nate Doss, for instance, who's mm-hmm. obviously uh, busy running Bevel and hasn't played in a PDG event in a couple of years. Uh, what is not current, not current with his membership, he did not send in uh, on his own. He did not send in for his membership. I could not see... A moment ago, I could not see his statistics. I used my login that everyone's allowed to create or yep. should create to create your profile within the PDGA page. I think a lot of people overlook it and realize they do. it's a possibility. I, I am a PDGA member, and I rarely log in. Yeah, so I've just logged in officially, which I created years ago. And with that, I can now What's see everything of Nate's. One, two, three, four. I can now yeah, see uh, everything of Nate. So Nate Doss specifically is not a current member. Um, I was going to say membership expired in 20, is that say 18, 2018 uh, expired then, but I can see all of his previous years and statistics, which is again, this is on the newer end. It's of a being good available. membership benefit. I think it's a great membership benefit. Um, you know, cause a lot of people have said, like you said, Johnny, they're they're frustrated. They can't see it. Well, if you're current, you can go out and see others there. Now, you could still make that argument as to whether or not somebody, it, it should always be available, whatever. I understand all of those other arguments. But right now, this feels like a pretty good compromise, and middle ground. Not that I'm pushing for this by any means, but I wouldn't mind. It would not bother me one bit if the PDGA took away that little button that says show ratings for any non-person that's logged in. If you're not logged in, maybe not seeing that at all and then mm-hmm. not seeing membership information at all. So you literally have to log in to see the the ratings. Now, I'm not pushing for it, but I wouldn't be opposed to it. Like yeah. there's no there's no reason why we have to give that information away. Now, sure. it is useful for certain things for uh for for maybe News organizations, if this ever catches on, where people really care about talking about the ratings, most most new news organizations aren't going to yeah. reference like, more "Oh, he shot it." A ten a ten sixty two. Sure, yeah, right. They're more likely going to say number three in the world, Terry Miller or whatever. Yeah. So I mean, clearly, <laughs> Johnny. So yeah. But, so uh, great that it's out there. I, I did want to make that clarification and distinction that if you do log in, uh, and that's something that was made. I don't want to say public, but made really called into the spotlight in the last few days, uh, thanks to the PDGA. So uh, it's out there and it's available. So uh, again, you can have that conversation about the Hall of Famers as to whether or not they should or shouldn't. Uh, It's funny because you talk about people that you can see their stats and then you think about where other memberships could either be granted or waived or provided or given. And somebody, I think on our board just said top 1000 should have a, a free membership. I, I don't know if you're meaning for the year or not. No, I think he means the first, the first 1000 numbers. Oh, the first one, one through numbers. a thousand. Okay. I mean, 
I go as far as saying, you know, a thousand is like just an arbitrary number, right? Because one could argue it could be a hundred. I think it should be nine ninety nine. Yeah, nine ninety nine. <laughs> Screw number thousand. Whoever yeah, he is. or whatever the number <laughs> ends up being. Um, I, I was going to say, interestingly enough, you think about some people. There's going to be plenty of people this year who will pay to have a current membership to exclusively be eligible to run tournaments, which in theory yeah. turns around and makes money for the PDGA, which I'm I'm all good with. You would think like they would even have quote unquote more value in in some capacity. And I'm not advocating for any of this. My whole point is for every single scenario, I feel like you can always extrapolate out two or four, ten more levels and or reasonings for uh, to make an argument to inc- be more inclusive of yet another person. I mean, I think they should another group. lifetime memberships to all podcast hosts. Ooh, I don't know, because Spicy Boy and Shank Disc Golf just started are starting their very first ever well, podcast. You, I think you have to get to 400 episodes. Oh, 400. Yeah. Number. Once you get to 400 That's not episodes arbitrary at all. No, no. It's just 400 episodes. At okay. that point, then you get a lifetime membership. I'd say even 500. Because who's okay. going to get to 500? That's no one would ever get to 500. <laughs> I mean, so, yeah. Uh, but yes, shout out Spicy Boy. I, it was his birthday yesterday. Uh, him and uh, I, I apologize. I don't know the guy's. Uh, I don't think I know his actual name. But uh, him and Shanked, Shanked, Shanked DG on Twitter. Shanked DG on Axe. I'm going to call it Twitter forever. Yeah, I, mean, I know. That's, um, a, uh, announced yesterday that they they too are going to uh, jump in the four AMs by AMs is I think one of their their slogans. So and, which is great. I don't think we have a lot of AM centric. Podcast, and I believe I, agree. I, I think you could really make a, a, a talk. Of, you could talk about uh, a lot of the college stuff. You could talk all about the AM championships that are out there. Things that we just breeze over usually for their majors. You know, we talk about the AM uh, AM Nats and the Amateur World Championships, and that's really about. And sometimes the NADGT is what we talk about. Sure. If they're going to focus more on the amateur game, then by all means, there's. I think there's room for a lot of people. Yeah, couldn't so. agree more. So. The other PDGA news that dropped last week, European Open. Set in stone, new date. No, not European Open. I'm sorry, not the European Open. The, the Champions Cup. Champions Cup. Um, I was confusing it in my head because I was thinking it was going to interfere with the European Tour. Um, the PDGA announced that the Champions Cup was moved to Northwood Black. Yep. On what happened to be the same weekend as the Swedish Open or Sweden Open, Swedish Open, Swedish Open, which ruffled a lot of feathers all throughout the sport. Whether you were from Europe, some touring pros who maybe had made wanted to make a plan to swing through Europe and and skip some of the pro tour events here and hit some of the elite events there. Well, the PDGA now at this point, I believe, is talking about changing it again, which wouldn't shock me. Um, it's I had I was talking to someone and saying that this this is a difficult thing for the PDGA in that you want to have a place if you want to for sure run this event, which. Give or take the event. I don't, I personally don't care. If they skipped this year, it doesn't hurt me. I don't really care. Um, some people I'm sure do. That's great. But if you do for sure want to run the event, you need to have a place lined up. Like 
it's got six months away now. Like getting getting a venue, getting a date is important. Now, I think maybe what the PDGA could have done is announced this date with a little less concrete and just say, hey, we have lined up this date. We are still researching to move it to possibly other places or other times, but we wanted to solidify, have something set in, you know, at least (laughs) set in sand. I don't want to say set in stone while we research other things. If we can find something else, we will let the people know and give a, a date. We'll let you know by January 31st or whatever that date is. I pick a pick a random date that to set a, a, a deadline. Because what it feels like they've done now is they came out and said, cool. Guess what? Everyone didn't like the backloaded majors. We've changed the date. This is when it is. It's at Northwood Black. Four rounds. Everyone loves this course. Nate Heinold, still the TD. It's on this weekend, which I can't remember the exact weekend. June 28th through the 30th or whatever. Thank you. And now there's a big backlash, and now the PDGA feels like they're backstepping again. Like, oh, you know, we really we do care about the European tour. We don't want to interrupt them. We understand that it's a problem. I would have rather seen them kind of come out maybe a little bit more tepid on the, the date. Just, just, to, just to say, if you really truly are thinking about a different time and date, don't make it look like you're so reactionary because I think that looks poorly on the PDGA. Just say, we have this date if we need it. If not, we will let you know, but just know that this is a possibility. Because at least, again, at least then, everybody knows, all right, the PDGA is trying to make sure, and in worst case scenario, we have to do this. Because it does interfere with, specifically, probably more so the European tour, the Europeans on our tour. Many of them probably would have gone back, done a full European tour, and then come back. Kind of like what we saw this year. Yeah. Not every one of our U.S. pros was going to do that. There would probably be a few. Uh, I mean, we know Thomas Gilbert had planned on it. We talked to him last week about it. There was probably a handful of other other men and women that would maybe skip some and go to and and tour Europe. Uh, It just it was a bad look for the PDG. I think they kind of stepped in it in this particular decision and and they know it. And I think they're going to try to make it better. I I feel uh, so just to throw it out there, uh, June 27th through the 30th uh, the, is the four days that it was then uh, pushed on to. Uh, and this announcement was technically made with third, let me double check, uh, on th- Thursday. Yeah, the uh, the 16th. It was made on Thursday. I'm just going to start by saying I don't envy anyone's position. No. And, and I don't feel like there is a clear-cut obvious answer that satisfies everyone because as this whole argument or conversation started not argument conversation started everyone seemingly hated the idea of extending the season that Mm -hmm. that was all due to the pine beetle and everything else yeah so to push it back to the end of the year to extend the season even longer i i can't think of anyone that was truly truly excited about that but that was the idea, obviously, as the PDGA had announced, it, there's no way the course was going to get done. They haven't started doing the clearing, so on and so forth. So the event then at that point, I feel like then there's options. Then you have to look at the options. You move to a different weekend. 
you move to a different location and keep it on that weekend, which no one really liked in the first place at the end of the year, or you potentially cancel it. That that obviously could be a conversation for uh, at any given point, right? Is to say, we just don't have a Champions Cup. We don't have a fourth major of the year for that year. Yeah. None of those solutions appeal, appease everybody. Of course not. None of those three. So, of course, when moving it to having the idea of bringing it to Peoria and making some concessions along with the idea that they would just use the black course, that they would change up a few of the holes so that the signal would be better. They weren't going to and see for, the and exact for better same spectators. Course. Yeah, and, and for spectators. You weren't going to see the exact same course that we saw for the uh, Ledgestone event the last few years. We were going to see a slightly different configuration, kind of a hybrid of it, so that it would play different. Then one of the fallouts to the, that was, though, people then saying... I don't want to just see Sunset played on the FPO side. Well, this is and for Ledgestone. Now. I know, but that yeah. was going to be part of the compromise. I know, I know. Well, the, which, which you didn't say. Part of the compromise for Ledgestone is all the men only play Eureka. And all the women only, only play, play Sunset. Yeah, exactly. So some people love that. Some people didn't didn't love that. And then obviously the number one you know thing ended up being the, the uh, conflict in, taking place with the Swedish Open. And... If you want to look for a little bit of a silver lining in all of this kerfuffle, you could say, how damn blessed are we that we now have to very much worry about and concern ourselves with how many players are doing international travel, whether it's them coming here or Americans going there. The fact that we even have to worry. Five years ago, this would have this would have been nothing more than a blink of the eye because it'd be like, okay, cool. That's going to affect like one person or Mm -hmm. three people that might travel because nobody's doing that. When disc golf has built itself into a position that this is now a legitimate conflict. I guess the question is, I know a lot of blame was placed squarely on the PDGA shoulders for this. And I, I don't know that that's entirely fair. It's not entirely fair, but I think the question there is, is some, yeah. What, what was the conversation like? And, and was it, uh, were all parties, uh, fully aware and there, considered in the situation? And was this the lesser of all evils that's, and that that's they arrived at? Correct. That's my thing. We don't know all of the scenarios, all of the decisions, the reasoning, because Looking at the schedule, I had kind of breezed through it a couple, you know, when this announcement was made. The only weekend other than this that I think could work would be the weekend between Music City and DDO. So that would have been April 28th, 26th through 28th. Uh, KC Wide Open is going on. The Charlie Ventner is going on. And these are all A-tiers. The... St. Charles Open in Missouri going on, all of which in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. So by moving a major to this weekend, which I think could work, you're you're harming, so to speak, some of these possible potentials. Now, granted, most of the people that are going to these events are probably not playing in the Pro Tour. You'll get a handful of them on an sure. off weekend. So this on these off weekends, Kansas City will probably pull in 10 of the touring pros that are traveling from Jonesboro to DDO. They'll probably tend to maybe a few more, who knows, give or take. You put a major on that weekend, they're getting none. Does that matter? Depends who you ask. We. The other thing you have to think about is now the date. April, end of April in Illinois at that particular park, 
probably a disaster. Could be. Wet. It could be. Sloppy. Possibly even still snow on the ground. There's. It could be snow it, on the ground. And it could so, be 77. It could be. And absolutely gorgeous. You're it right. could be everything the, from 32 and snowy to mm-hmm. 77 and sunny. Correct. That's just the Midwest in, in <laughs> mid-April. Yeah. So let's just play pretend. Now, I if you're picking this particular weekend, I think you have to move the event. I don't think you can trust having it at that particular course. You need to go a little further south. I think you would have to go maybe south of Missouri or something along those lines where you're probably guaranteed, I don't say guaranteed, but more than likely going to get 60 degree weather. And possibly some tornadoes. Who knows? Tor- tornado. <laughs> right. You never know what you're going to get. But <laughs> the goal of trying to fit it into the tour and have it accommodate the pros and have it accommodate the TD who you don't know what Nate's schedule is like. I mean, he's probably got this, a lot of the stuff planned out months in advance. And even if you had to say, all right, Nate, you're going to set the sit this year out. PDG will take care of teeting it. We've got, we've got Doug Bjerkus who has a little experience. Mm-hmm. If you want something like that, fine. I'm sure Nate would not probably have a problem with that with a good enough reason. Nate's on the board. You still have to find a place to host it. We only have six months. You want to get a championship caliber quality course that Northwood Black is and guarantee a spot in six months. That's difficult to do because places book out months, years in advance. So the fact that they could get it on this particular weekend, which is the same weekend as the Swedish Open, and have kind of quote-unquote everything work out, the lesser of all evils is my idea. Now, hopefully they find a better solution that maybe helps appease more people. There might not be. That yeah. might not exist. Yeah, I was just going to say, at the end of the day, uh, there could be one or six more date changes, and no matter what, I could find you a solid argument for why it shouldn't be that date. Of course. Right, and yeah. I, that's just a matter mm-hmm. of which one is going to be the the most appeasing to the most amount of people. Yeah. And then at that point, you just have to run with it and and be uh, locked in on it. And I've said it before, I don't envy any of the official decision makers, Johnny nor I, clearly uh, well above our pay grade, and we really have no bearing on it. I, I just, it, it affects yeah. me as to where you and or I may be involved from mm-hmm. a media perspective, of course. At the end of the day, wherever the major is and whatever my task is, is or isn't, <laughs> I'm probably going to be on board. Right, so just, I'm just one little tiny uh, part of it, though. Just find the weekend that Vegas challenges on and put it on that weekend. <laughs> oh, don't be mean to Vegas. No, I mean, it, and in theory, like if you if you did the math, though, that's not crazy. No, well, and here's here's another solution that, that wouldn't be crazy on that particular weekend. I, I know this is not what most people want, but what you could do: take an existing event and just make it a major. Uh, absolutely. And just either a pro tour event, say, hey, guess what? Uh, Jonesboro, and I'm just going to pick that because it was in my head. Sure. You are now the Jonesboro Open presented by the Champions Cup. Or you're the Champions or, Cup and you're not the Jonesboro Open this weekend. Uh, maybe. Or maybe well, you, which you, some people may love, like played against sports, who's typically yeah. like your title sponsor or one of your title Could sponsors. Could like there, that. May love that or may hate that. Mm-hmm. Uh, like they're. That I, I know that has been suggested and that's been yeah. said as well. I don't think it's the craziest idea. It's however that particular it has to be the right weekend, and, and they have to want to buy in. Like, and there has there's there's different registrations. There's different there's different money. And I think the PDGA 
I'm not so much worried about the the money. I think the PDGA could make it work for a year. If if you say, hey, we need another twenty thousand dollars, we need another forty thousand dollars. I truly believe the PDGA could find a way to make it work. Um, they're already planning on running it, so the money can be shifted around. I'm not super concerned about that. But you're right in that the TD has to do ha- has things. There's qualification. Uh, Things that you'd have to look at on the PDGA side in order to make to do majors. Certain people are have to be qualified. Um, there's just well, a lot of things. Uh, yeah, there, there are there are just scenarios that we, we're probably not even thinking. Well, about. I, I, I'll just throw another piece into that. Like you just said, the the idea of the major was granted to we'll say Nate Heinold and his crew. Does he? have an obligation to quote unquote stand down. If it goes to a place, I'll just use Like you said, a Jonesboro, or let's say they go to the LWS open. It's no longer the LWS, or maybe it's the champions cup presented by LWS. And we're playing it in Idlewild. Who's the TD on record. And, uh, of doing that. Is it, uh, is it Adam and crew? It's a great Adam and Jason, or is that Nate Heinold and crew? And it's a great question. There's certain obligations that any one of those people, LWS may say, yeah, we love the idea of being a title sponsor, but we want our mm-hmm. staff, so to speak, in charge. Yeah. And and uh, Heinold and that crew could say the other thing. I mean, look back to a few years ago. We had a major that got pushed back, and somebody said, hey, I want to retain that major. Was that the That was US Utah. Uh, yeah, Utah. Who, for COVID. T- yeah, for COVID, said, hey, we, we don't want to just give up our opportunity. We were granted a major, and if that means we come here during that next year, then we want to retain that because they were granted a major. Status. And then us women's got pushed back as well in Madison. And that, exactly. Yep. So there's, there's a lot of moving parts to it. And, you know, I know you just said that you have to find the location. Yes. That's one component. I feel like the weekend is even more crucial. The yes. location is secondary to that, but let's just be real. Depending on the weekend, it there's certain locations you'd almost for sure rule out, right? I mean, like you you would, don't would want to be yeah. on the West Coast for two out of three weekends, and the weekend in between, you have it taking place at the regulator, which I know was something that was said quite a bit. Like, let's just have it at the regulator, and they seem open to the idea. I don't think anyone's arguing about the quality of the regulator. I think they're arguing about in which date could it possibly get now, played. Correct. The problem with... <laughs> the fact that everything's been shuffled around is we have things already scheduled on each weekend. Exactly. My personal take on scheduling is the PDGA needs to schedule out these majors. I think two, and I I think they want to do this two to three years ahead of time. And I think they have, they they have, but nobody planned on pine beetles. Correct. I know. And that's that's what I'm saying. But to go along with that, we, and again, this is, I think we've said it before. We need a week on each side because I want to see these majors moved around everywhere in the country at any time of the year. I don't care where the pros are in August when Worlds shows up. If they're on the West Coast or East Coast, I don't care if Worlds is on the West Coast. That's why you need a week, but you need a week on each side so players can move because these are, I believe. I don't think that's going to happen. Well, I, then, I get well, what then, you're saying. Then, then, then the West Coast is happen. fucking screwed. Right, because 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 worlds is always don't you in yell at me for it. Worlds is I'm always, not on the West Coast, not running events. Don't yell at me. Right, worlds is always in August, September. Right? No, it's been in June. It's been in September. It's been in July. It can be okay. in any one of those months. I think that you should be scheduling this 
and the pro tour should not take into account at all. Like, to, otherwise, we're always beholden to the pros going, okay, well, U.S. women's, ugh, gosh, it would be really great if it were here, but they're a thousand miles away. Uh, that's too bad. No, put a week on each side for these majors and make the pros travel. This, these are the biggest events of the year. Europeans have to travel for them. They have to travel tens of, th- not tens of thousands of miles, but thousands of miles. Our pros can't get on a plane for a week and travel a, a thousand miles. You tell miles? them that, and then you tell them the rest every of the one internet. Of you tell every, every one of them. Like, I don't care. The, tu- the pro the, tour should the have problem a problem is no one cares team. what you think. I know, but the, the pros, well, this is it. If we want the best, if we want the best events with the best TDs, you can't rely on the disc golf pro tour to to do that otherwise you're 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 pigeonholing specific events at specific times in specific areas and i think that limits you too much that flat out limit if you have a phenomenal crew that says gosh we've raised $300,000 but we can only do it on the west coast and it can only do it in like august like that's our time Sorry, you're out of luck, guys, because well, the pros are over in Massachusetts in August. No, I, you are you you are pigeonholing our sport. You we the pro tour needs to have a consistent tour. I 100 percent agree with that. The majors aren't part of the pro tour. The the PDGA needs to look at the majors, pick the best locations, regardless of time, regardless of what the pro tour is doing, and the pro tour has to work around that. And and I'm. It sucks because all the cameras have to travel. All that stuff is has to take the pro tour has to take all that into account. But I don't think that the PDGA should have to be beholden to where the pro tour is. I, I hate it. I really hate I, it. <laughs> I I would think if there is a sound enough, uh, undeniable situation or bid that checks those boxes, I would assume it would happen. But right now, if it's not an overwhelming majority that checks off all those boxes and dots all those I's and, and crosses all those T's, I don't I don't think they're gonna rock the boat. I know and I because hate that. I because hate that. they're everybody every spectator says that's so stupid that we don't have a cohesive schedule. And then every player says it's so stupid and every other entities schedule, all, all these people the, say if again, the schedule and the touring isn't logical and cohesive mm. it's stupid why aren't we fixing that and you're suggesting which yep, i understand for our biggest events that only. the biggest events yep. go wherever and whenever yep. they want <laughs> and i and i i'm i hear you yeah. but i'm telling you the other 99 percent are saying we don't like that we don't care i i, un, I understand that i understand that it's inconvenient for them all I'm saying is that I want to see the best. I, and, I don't and disagree. It, and, and if it works out that it's in that it's in the tour, awesome. That's great. I just feel like right now we are. And again, I have. I don't. Sorry, West Coast. I don't care about you. You're great. Awesome. You've run awesome events. But if no one there is going to run a great event for that wants the world's bid, I don't want to hear your complaining about it. But if there is one, sure. I also don't want the PDGA to be like. You can't run it unless it's this time uh, of year. I, I don't think that's the case. I don't think that's the case right I now. Think, I do. I think the PDJ probably looks at that and goes, "Good, you want to you want to run it in September or early September or late August? Well, that's not where the tour is. We're sorry. We're not going to. Mm. We can't really. I that, that would I be truly a question believe, for the. I truly be a believe that probably comes into 
into I'm some sure sort of considered to some degree yeah. to how much who knows I, I don't know how much and all i'm saying is that i think and i feel like our biggest events they should be scheduled two three years ahead of time and the pro tour if if they can schedule their events around it great but it really feels like the pro tour is starting to solidify where they're going to be when they're going to be you know that where are they going to be in march texas where are they going to be in june Jonesboro. Where are they going to be later in June or July? West Coast. Where are they going to be at the end of the year? USDGC time. Like you've, we've already kind of set that. The rest is a little bit wiggly, but we have a tour, and I don't think that your majors should have to accommodate that tour. Well, I mean, it's it's going to be clear that uh, eventually one or more majors will eventually be international. Those will have to fit into the schedule. World twenty twenty five. Uh, whatever they are, they're going to be international, and they'll have Our to. Our PDG guy hinted at it. <laughs> oh, well, I'm okay. just saying he hinted. He was here. He hinted. I'm not saying it's going to happen. He hinted at it. <laughs> okay. Uh, may or may not be pro worlds or open worlds. Whatever the case I, is, I know. Uh, I think at that point they'll have to make like just you. We. I'm all about the planning. There is something to be said about a concrete nature in sounding like. You can lock in something 100%, and I don't know that that's also a completely plausible either. I'd use a great example of, or an example, potential example of, you award worlds to, I'll just make up a place like sure. Santa Cruz yep. in May, and you award them worlds in Santa Cruz in May, two years out. At least, I think they, I think maybe let's call it three years. I'd love to see three years. Even but, better for my for it. my example. Three years out, and then what happens when eighteen months out, F one shows up and says, "Guess what? We're taking over Santa Cruz." Okay, like you have to move that date. Like there, there, you the, obviously can do what you can do to of course, plan. There's but n- just like these pine beetles is kind of my analogy. Yeah, there's certain things that you'll just never can possibly account for. I. And you I'm have to you. be able to shift and pivot and move. Now, who's malle- malleable, which I hate saying that word because uh, <laughs> it's tough to say. I know. <laughs> who's flexible, who who can accommodate? Uh, hopefully your best teams, your pro tours, your your PDGAs, like all of those people have to at that point like buckle up and say, hey, let's get through this. And I feel like this is one of those scenarios as well. Like clearly – the pine beetle infestation, yeah. The the not this year being able to clear it, the not being able to then uh, go back there even late year, which wasn't ideal. Like there's just a lot of things that seem to be against we, it. Yeah, we are at the whim of the PDJ is not in control of um, the Army Corps of Engineers that needs to take care of this. I'm this year is a whole <laughs> is a, is a whole thing that I I don't put any blame on the PDGA. I don't put any blame on anybody. It's just this this crap happens this year. And you're right. Anything could happen in any given year. But again, I would love it. And I know it's tough. I'd love to see our majors at least two to three years out. Just, I, just I, let it let it be known. I think they're trying to get there. I know they are. And I don't disagree it, with it. And then I also think you and I have been around long enough to think about... <laughs> Uh, you know, I don't mean to just be a, a a rainy cloud over everyone's parade here either. <laughs> but I think about okay, your think, think about a club and or some people that put in a bid and then host an event three years later. You and I have seen enough disc golf clubs in no, the country fall apart and dealt with enough disc golf diehard enthusiasts that one day are gung ho 
and you th- they're ready to change the world, and then 18 months later, <laughs> they're indisposed. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> they I get may it. not be available in yeah, some no. capacity. Uh, so there is a fine line of like there's planning and pre-planning, yep. and then there's like hitching your horse to a wagon a little too early, maybe. Like there, that could be also a, a problem to some degree. I agree. So it, I think it's tough to say, hey, in three years – we need this date. Mm-hmm. I think that's the tough part of your conversation. It is. We need this specific, like this date and only this date. There's so many things that could happen. Uh, again, I think of anywhere on the West Coast, and then that same city, that franchise of some freaking sporting sure. whatever wins it. Next thing you know, there's a parade that week along with you know 300 other thousand people they weren't expecting, and like just it just anything is can happen. I guess. Oh yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying that anything is foolproof. I'm just. I would love to see us out further. I would love to see, oh, we've said it before, oh, just for the pros in general, a week on each side of every major. And, Certainly. And, and, I, and I would love to see majors go anywhere in the country because I personally, and I know I'm, I'm not the one doing it, but I don't think it should matter if the pros have to travel for a major. We, we did it for years. Every year the major was announced, everybody traveled to where that major was. And now that there's a cohesive tour, we're seeing a lot of kickback like, oh, it's out of my way. I don't care. We did it for decades. You can, you can get in a plane. You can travel. You, if you truly care about these, the, the biggest events, you'll, you'll, you will accommodate them. Because I want to see them ultimately with the best crew at the best locations. Yeah. And, 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 and that, I think that's the, all and, presuming and, you have... Good bids coming in, hundred percent. Like which that, is very that may difficult. be a non-starter in the first place. I know like, there's very few that's bids. That's what we just said. Some you, of the some of this are, are is out of the PDGA's control. I'm not correct. blaming. We anyone. can talk to we're blue in the face about how we'd love to see a major in California, but if there's not a qualified team putting together a yep. qualified bid on legitimate courses, yeah. like. All those boxes have to get, and checked. not just California. Yeah, every state that anyone ever yeah, complains, uh, like correct. how come the how come the tour is not coming to Montana? Well, sorry, how come they're not coming to Utah? Sorry, they're not in Wisconsin either. You know, we get Minnesota and Illinois, but how come we're not getting a tour stop in Wisconsin? Well, because there's not a team that wants to put one together. Yeah, it has to start there, I think, and I think that's what's that, often most of, uh, often overlooked. <laughs> Run a pro tour event, Terry. <laughs> yeah, no. Come on. No do interest. It. Do it. Do no it. No interest. Do it. All right. We're going to move on from that. I'll so show best up of luck. And watch. <laughs> best of luck to everyone involved. Um, I, I, I hope they find a good solution. I know there's a, a lot solution. of finger pointing, and I know there's a lot of frustration, and I know there's... Well, Macbeth said, flat out said, he wouldn't be at the Champions Cup if it was that weekend. He'd be, Correct. He'd, be, he'd go over to Sweden. Yeah. And, and, and again, that's not something that, like, mm-hmm. five years ago, like, could have been a, a, a viable threat, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. No kidding. Like, Five years ago, disc golf was very different, and that wasn't. I've been like, oh, sure you are. Like it's just we're, we're there's more things to consider now that are, uh, and, and there were other people. Eagle McMahon chimed in and said reschedule the reschedule, uh, so on and so forth. Well, um, Eagle is in a unique position because he might not even be fully healed by. He might then. not even be throwing frisbees. By That's now. right. So Eagle is kind of like, no, push it back, guys. Uh, he, push it back. <laughs> no, my only final thought on this is, uh, oh, the irony of. What if Jackson's not touched come like April? They have the the army hasn't touched a single thing. It could the have course is still in, you know, still there. You can't. 
I know, I know. I I was just thinking from a from a just an ironic perspective of like somebody goes out to Jackson on you know April nineteenth, whenever this would have originally been or presumably been, and like Jackson's one hundred percent still intact just because they haven't touched anything. Mm-hmm. Again, you're not counting for that. They were the Army Corps of Engineer was supposed to start doing some clearing uh, a few weeks ago already. So things get pushed around uh, of course we will see yeah, ray, right. ray says eagle wants to do the all-star event throwing lefty only anyway yeah i bet you i bet she does that'd be fun yeah we'll see. it's the all-star event so it doesn't really matter oh but it does no it doesn't oh okay <laughs> uh i know some voting was uh extended for your all-stars you could vote on what second mm-hmm. and third card all-stars i know i got mine in uh, but they ended up ultimately extending that slightly, and now it might be wrapped up by now, but I know at one point that got slightly extended. Uh, so I'm guessing sometime soon we'll see the uh, the announcements coming in for your second and third card people on the All-Star side of things. And the only other interesting thing that really was announced, there, there's a lot of different uh, surveys being released right now. Pro Tour did one that had a bunch of funny questions like, my my favorite is like who's the mom on tour, and no doubt Jen Allen took that one. Mm. It should have been unanimously, but it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but there is a whole bunch of fun questions: best dressed, best bromance, all this other thing. All great. Ultra World had another survey, a fandom survey that released, which is a little bit more serious. In that, who do people tend to root for, root against? Uh, some favorites. There are other subjects in there. You can go to Alter World's website and look at some of that stuff as well. Uh, it's it's somewhat interesting. You can really they have a real fun. I, f- I think it's fun breakdown of the type of person like who took the survey. It it asked you everything from like a rig- religious affiliation to if you feel you're left or right. If mm. you feel you know, uh, I see who gives the best hugs into it. Did you win? Did you even make it? No, I don't. I apparently my tour card got lost in the mail. Oh, I suppose it's only for touring pros. Probably. So I didn't say creepiest. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So go to Alter World, take a look at that. It's really interesting. Some of the data and some of the breakdown of it and what people root for and against. No doubt Simon was far and away the most loved pro, just the way it works. So. Uh, uh, yeah. Who's the dad on tour? You see Was that Nate Sexton. Uh, Nate Sexton, which is funny. It should be Emmer Daddy, but sure. Yeah, yeah that, <laughs> his nickname true. is Emmer Daddy, and he is on tour um, more so uh, than, than even what we've seen out of Nate Sexton. Yeah. So I'll be interested. Just if we're uh, since you brought him up, it'll be interesting to see Nate Sexton, his career, and what where he's dedicating his time and energies and efforts to, in terms of how much he's playing. He's obviously been playing less over the last few years at our as many events, so to speak, and uh, knowing that he's got his daughter who's, you know, in that five, six, seven age range and time spent at home, then time spent in a booth. And whether that's a Joe Mez booth and or a Disc Golf Pro Tour booth, I think those are all very fair questions that uh, will be part of the uh, 2024 season right around the corner. Yippee. All right. Is there anything else of note that uh, that was uh, in the Disc Golf world? Excuse me. I don't think so. Uh, I didn't I, see anything, honestly. Was it, it was about this time last year. I don't or last year, last week. Uh, I'll throw it out there. Three rounds of the Las Vegas Challenge are fully posted, and then 
the concluding round of the PLO, the Phoenix Ladies Open, which is another event that I was at not too long ago, obviously over there in Phoenix. Uh, the concluding round, the, the first round coverage, which I am working on, will be a montage of shots from people from all different divisions, spanning like the 20 different women's divisions. So that's more of a highlight montage. Try to get as many you know possible shots in there as I could. The second round, which was already released, was your your standard shot-by-shot coverage of the FPO lead card. You should do... And it was a good battle. So a mystery box of shot coverage. Oh, just, wow. Just like a, 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 a YouTube thing, just like, hey, open this up, and you never know what shots I'm going to show. Just, That's... You know, just random. <laughs> Sometimes I, think, you... I think Omegle got shot, shut down for that. <laughs> uh, actually, Omegle uh, recently did close up shop. Uh, Omegle, it's... Uh, I don't know what that is. It's kind of like a... For lack of a better term, it was like a video roulette. Chat, oh, chat roulette. Like a chat roulette. Okay, but, for us old people. Uh, exactly. And uh, it was Omegle, yeah. and it was very popular for quite some time. And obviously, it had a lot of your trashy stuff on it, but it had, uh, I'm assuming, some I pretty mean, good legitimate following to it. There's one particular artist uh, named Harry Mack, who's this insane freestyle rapper. I, I feel like that's where that was his original platform that he blew up on. And now he's kind of a big deal. Uh, but he did it specifically on Omegle. And I just saw it like literally like a week or two ago. It just it shut down. They, they ran out of money. money or business or whatever. But imagine a video mystery box that someone buys. You might get a full <laughs> 55 second cupcake putt. Or or uh, or a four hour long Smashbox video. Or a four hour long Smashbox video. You don't know what you're going to get in this video. <laughs> oh my gosh. And, and you just make them for people. I'm going to make them into <laughs> NFTs. Yes, and make a mint. Oh, my gosh. A fortune, Terry. I will talk to my friends at Mint Dis. <laughs> oh, my gosh. The, you are, you are definitely full, onto I'm something. I'm full of ideas today, Terry. You, you little, are. A little spit and vinegar here. You have the, uh, the best takes. Uh, also, uh, speaking of new things, one of the PDGA announcements that I saw from a technical standards perspective was the new manufacturer in, coming out with their very first ever disc, Super Sonic Disc. Supersonic. released, and uh, it is out and available. Well, I don't know if it's available just yet, but uh, here's my tease to this. There's more to this story, and I'm excited to help bring it to you. Uh, a company out of Denmark, I know... I was going to say most of the individuals behind the scenes. Um, super excited to see what they have going on. Another disc manufacturer, someone who has been involved with disc sports for 30 or 40 years and is just a phenomenal human. So that's the tease I'll leave out there. There will be an interview uh, coming up with uh, some of the peeps over at Supersonic Discs. So Sounds awesome. That's the tease I'll give you on that excited. one. Can I get a Can I get a supersonic disc? Supersonic. Yeah. Uh, Tim uh, says that song popped into his head as well. Course. How can it not? You, if you're, it's Tim, either you're that. The only other, the only other option is like a dunk by number forty, Sean Kemp. Right? Like those are the supersonics. That's yeah. pretty much the only two, yeah, references you could possibly go with. Right? Yes. That that's and it was number. Is it number forty? Oh my gosh, Sean Kemp. Yeah, from like nineteen ninety. Uh, I don't know. I I collected very few basketball cards. I was not Sean a Kemp. Supersonics. Uh, number 40. Number four, Damn. Yep, 40. Nailed it. Nice job, Terry. There's a poll from 1989 or so. <laughs> That's what I got. 
That's what I got. My daughter's birthday, maybe, maybe not. But but you know, Sean, <laughs> Sean Kemp wore number forty. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't watch more than nine seconds in my life of a supersonic game either. That's how much I cared about him. But his card was worth something as a collector. So that's I probably that was part of the hustle. Somewhere. You probably do. All right, let's close things out for the regular show. Uh, and then we can get into some more silliness of the after show. Hopefully you guys are along, uh, along with some questions and we'll read off the board to get all caught up there. Big shout out Shasta Chris taking down, uh, the festival of flight over there in Chiang Mai, Thailand this you're, last week. You're weekend. just itching to get over there. I am. I know. Uh, it's a, a lots of international travel, but, uh, Shasta's already there. We talked mm-hmm. about it. Uh, sounds like he had a really good battle. Uh, and, uh, I think, I think the video said it was his 300th tournament uh where he picked up this win so congratulations Congratulations. shasta in an mpo win this weekend over at the festival of flight in chiang mai looking forward to getting out there miles park hill paragon disc golf miles t-shirts check them all out we've got a few links out there we'll put a few more in the description for johnny v i'm terry miller the disc golf guy that's been podcast 481 we're gonna have an after show things might get off the rails we'll see you then more when you step inside (laughs) the smashbox Thank you to our $2 and above patrons. Your name is listed below in the credits. If you are interested in being listed as a producer in the Smashbox TV credits and supporting this and other fine podcasts, please visit patreon.com slash smashboxtv.